Oh, there it goes. Everybody, look up and watch out. It's Keep Up with Stove Insane. Welcome to the show. I'm here with the rest of my comrades and cohorts. We've got a very special guest today. We've got Harry, Pokemon Stoner. we got our engineers, John and Neil. Let's get into some motherfucking shout-outs. It's time for some motherfucking shout-outs. All right. This week, we are starting something new with, our again, our special guest. Thank you, Dell. Um, he's a musical artist. He's also my friend from college. We trained together in Posse. We'll get more into that. But uh, we are putting in the guest hands this week. So, Dell, please give us our featured guest for who you're shouting out. Uh, yeah, I'm shouting out my boy uh, Chuck Styles. He's a, a visual artist uh, by way of Philly. Uh, really, really dope. Uh, he can sort of capture the moment of everything that's happening in culture. He has a lot of really present uh, pieces. And you can find his uh, visual art at Art of Chuck Styles. Dot com. Lovely, and I checked it out myself. Uh, again, Dell is in the TV industry as well. He's in advertising, so he has a great eye for great images. So that was a great shout-out. Thank you very much. Check that yep, out. Yep. Check that out one more time at Chuck Styles, C-H-U-K-S-T-Y-L-E-S-S. Now let's get into what's happening. What the fuck happened? All right, so this week, uh, the final and third presidential debate happened. Uh, they were in person this time. They weren't in the town hall format. Uh, let's have at it, guys. Did you watch it, Brandon? I did. I did. I did. All right. Do you have a scorecard? Do you have anybody? Did anybody get knocked out? Did it, was there a TKO? What do we have? Zero, zero, you know. Zero, zero. It's <laughs> a draw. It's a yeah, draw, it was a, it was a clean draw. Uh, <laughs> um, no, nah, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it's always entertaining. I mean, I know that sounds bad to say because it's a, obviously a serious matter, but uh, for all the terrible things that you know Trump has brought to the table, the one, in my opinion, the one thing that he did do is sort of pull the veil back from the uh, what's the word like the theater of politics, if you will. Very good point. It, very good you know, point. Yeah, it almost forces Brand everybody. Yeah, it like forces everyone to either you know what you're talking about or you don't at this point, right? Yeah. So. It's interesting to see, like, we know he doesn't know what he's talking about, but then to see whoever he's talking against to see if they know what they're talking about, right? So that's, oh, damn, I think that's, like, the one positive, but it was a shit show. <laughs> 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 yeah, there was no fly this time, like the VP debate. There was no, there was nothing to, like, really distract us. So you're right. It was basically on the record. He, I'm not going to say Biden doesn't do the same thing, but Trump usually just brings his rally onto the debate. He just brings the talking points and everything from Twitter. Unfortunately, I have a lot of people, uh, even if they're not Trump supporters, they're hardcore anti-Biden. So sometimes they sound like they're Trump supporters because they take the same talking points. 47 years and didn't do shit. Fucking <laughs> the, the crime bill, the crime bill. Like they just mentioned the same things over Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden. And I'm just, I, I had to say, to one of my friends, he sent me something about Hunter Biden, and I was like, "Actually, I think I, I think I ripped this from Trevor Noah first. Um, I was like, "Thank you, thank you, sir. I'm now not going to vote for Hunter Biden. I, I really, appreciate, <laughs> I really appreciate that. Exactly, I really, you help me out. You help me out, man. You, you narrowed down my choices." But, yeah, so the the final debate is here. Um, I mailed in my ballot. We don't have to tell anybody who we voted for and shit like that. We all know pretty much. <laughs> Biden. <laughs> right? It could have been Elmo same, on the ballot, and I would have voted for him. What? Say it again? <laughs> no, I said same. Mailed in mine. Right, yeah. um, but, but I do think it's something I was going to say. Yeah, I please. love what you said in terms of – I know you're saying it in jest, right? Like, the, it could have been Elmo. But the, the piece about that that I like is because people are like, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, this person did that. It's like – 
regardless of what I feel the actual man or woman knows, right, when they're running, it's the fact that I don't believe, and it's it's evidenced by the amount of people who have left Trump's cabinet over the last four years, the Internally notion that incredible. you don't, right, so the notion that, like, you don't need the people around you to help you make the sound decisions, or rather, he doesn't even want to listen to the people around him to make the sound decisions, like, that's where I think a joke like a I pick Elmo kind of thing <laughs> still makes sense, because at the very least, it's saying, yeah, if Elmo was the, you know, was the president, we know that he would listen to the people around him who are smarter, who are more experienced, blah, 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 and then make better choices. So that to me is, that's like the worst part of Trump, right? It's not that he, it's not only that he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't even want to listen to people who do. Um, shit is crazy. You you look like you're actually running the podcast, to be honest, like the background and everything like that. You have such no. a man, <laughs> <laughs> Right? I'm just going to act like, here's the mic, Brady. Here you go. It's your just podcast. Keep it simple. <laughs> I'm just keep it simple. <laughs> no, you're so good, man. You're so good. So uh, to, to actually to piggyback and give you some facts on that, um, Brady's totally right. And I'm actually just really excited that more people are voting. And to give some fact to that, um, in 2016, I got this uh, information from Tufts University. So 44 – Thousand forty four thousand were voting in Florida around that. Around twenty five thousand were voting in North Carolina with early voting in the battleground states, and Michigan, one of the battleground states as well, seventy five hundred. In twenty twenty, right now with early ballots, two hundred and fifty thousand in Florida, opposed to forty four thousand in North Carolina, two hundred and four. Thousand early ballots as opposed to twenty five thousand, and then in Michigan one hundred and forty five thousand as opposed to seventy five hundred. Again, this doesn't say like who they're voting for. Yo, it's about fucking time. We've talked about this before. Conciliary voting. Uh, Obama got crushed for it because uh, in New Zealand, Australia, there's a few countries that like if you same thing with the mandate with Obamacare. If you don't vote, you get a tax. Like you get you get it from your tax record. Like you get you get oh, fined wow. pretty much. You get fined for not voting. Yeah. So in Australia, they have a ninety percent voting rate. And in other countries, they don't always have a conciliatory. Like you know, they have more of the parliamentary system, which is more inclusive to begin with. So they don't really need that. But Obama like made an example of that while he was president. He was like, "I'm actually for conciliatory voting. I'm for everybody voting. <laughs> That's your civic duty. It should, and there should be incentives and." I'm with them on that. I know it sounds. I know it sounds like ah, it's not crazy. Like it would be like a like a small tax or something like that. But everybody should be voting. So this is this is amazing. This, this stats right here that everybody's coming in droves to fucking vote, and I'm very very proud. And what's our percentage like generally? Like not this year, but like general U.S. So uh, roughly, roughly the country one third of us votes. So mm-hmm. I believe we had around 62 million votes for Hillary, and I believe around uh, 60 million for Trump. So we have like around 30, 330 million people in this country, I think, roughly, roughly. These are all rough numbers off the top of my head. Uh, when it co- Okay, so to give you an example, last week we talked about Shaquille O'Neal voting for the first time. Snoop Dogg is voting for the first time ever in his adult life. <laughs> crazy, crazy that these celebrities are voting for the first time. So, but it's indicative. It's indicative of like what we've, we've talked about, Charlemagne the God, you know, automatically getting the black vote, blah, 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 all the narrative that we've all talked about on different platforms. But (laughs) so with the NBA, 20% of them voted in the 2016 election. LeBron James, we talked about this last episode, he has carried the torch for voter die from Diddy's platform. Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, Revolt, a revolt member Mm -hmm. of the alumni over here. So uh, he has brought that up to 90%. 
doesn't matter who you think is the GOAT, that motherfucker got 90% of the league to fucking vote. That's crazy. That's Isn't crazy. that crazy? That's like, that should be a definite home. Again, I'm not a fan of LeBron, but like, I always, I have to give him props where he gets props. <laughs> and that, that's a huge prop to get your whole league 90%, go from 20% to 90%. So to me, like, even though the NBA is not like, you know, the pulse of America, that's huge. That's huge. That's black America right there. That's a black industry right there. That's a, that's a huge caveat of America that doesn't vote. A lot of the people that look like me, a lot of people that I align with, a lot of people that I'm in coalition with, posse, everybody. Most of us don't vote. <laughs> a lot of us talk a lot of shit. A lot of us are very – you've talked about it before. I remember one time we had a conversation. You were like, oh, where were you with politics and stuff when we were in college? And you were right. You were correct. Like, I wasn't. I wasn't engaged like that. I remember I was talking to my camp kid. One of my camp kids, um, he's like all ra- – I told you he's like all radical now. <laughs> and he was like, oh, oh, it's choosing between all these people. I was like, motherfucker, I, I had to vote for Kerry. <laughs> You know, right. like, you'll live, you'll live, you'll live. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You'll live. So I'm just, I'm just happy people are engaged. So my point before, before I went all off is that, uh, I'm just, I'm just happy. I don't care that like who people are voting for. I, I just want people to participate. I just like, I'll feel more comfortable with whatever people decide, even with Trump, even if people, if the country voted for that motherfucker, not the electoral college, I would have felt much better about that but not being the one out of seven times that the fucking Republicans stole the election through that process. But whatever, we're not going to get into all that. But, yeah, no, if you have any thoughts on that, please. No, I was actually going to ask you because it's one of the things I was talking to yeah. a few people about. I, I wish I understood the Electoral College more. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because I agree with what you're saying, especially the first part about, you know, let's, uh, let's tax, you know, let's put a tax in place to sort of force people to to do it. What I also want, though, on the flip side is for people to know what they're doing, right? And that's not on, like, you or me or anybody. But I'm, I'm like, there's so many things in life. There's so many things in American life that are mandatory that are never taught. But then there's so many things that are taught that are not only not mandatory in life, but that you literally never use again, right? Like, you know, when you and I went to public school in New York, like, there's all this fucking Regents exams we have to pass and, like, algebra. And, like, shit one, that... Sequential Yeah, why? exactly. Stuff that I don't... <laughs> Not, I have yet even, to use PEMDAS in my life. Right. No. Okay. Yeah, no. I don't use it now, but here's how crazy it is. I didn't use it a year after I took it. Like when I went to college for my freshman year, none of that shit mattered, right? So so I'm saying if 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 we say like voting so important, which I believe it is, if we're saying like local elections are so important, which I believe that they are, then I just wish there was a way to say, Okay, now someone's in ninth grade at the shittiest public school. I'm not talking about some charter school that specializes in politics. I'm talking about like basic like K through 12 education, you learn, like, this is where my vote goes. This is how electoral college goes. Like, you know what I mean? Cause I, I, as, as old as I am and educated as I am, I still don't know how Trump won. Like I get it. I know on a surface level, it's created to stop it from being popular vote versus, you know, simply popular vote. White but class. beyond that, I don't, yeah, I don't know. So if you could sort of let me know, well, how does that work? Like what did, what does the, how did he win the like? What does the electoral college actually do? You know what I mean. Yeah, obviously, I don't have all the answers. I think they're like <laughs> represent. I think ahead, we vote for like the people in like the power to do that, and okay. it's like yeah, yeah. the higher up, just... like oh sorry, like sorry the extra sorry. people like the senate because they're mostly Republicans now. So like that's probably how it like ended up being a lot. Wait, of it's not people. even. It's not like it's not an even spread of. Party well, no, or? it's whoever the people vote for. So if more people vote Republican in certain states, then they're oh, more got Republican you, got in you, the got senate. Got you. Got you. You, no, you're right, and I and I'm not even gonna say that you're wrong wow. either, Harry. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, the part 
Okay, so, but there's more to it. There's more to it. I yeah. get what you're saying. So the Electoral College and the delegates and the superdelegates that were all thrown over to Hillary at first in the 2016 election, and then when Bernie, you know, with all the, the trepidation I voted for him, uh, when he had that whole scandal with the DNC getting hacked and showing that they were against him and shit like that, they didn't necessarily go and swing over to Hillary. They didn't, like, just say to themselves, well, just right. because I'm voting for Bernie, I'm going to throw my delegates over there. And then on top of that, where it makes the point to both of you as far as the swing states in the Midwest and the South, superdelegates and just um, as far as, uh, what is it called? Fateful electoral votes. That's what it's called. The Supreme Court just decided on that recently, I think like a month ago or two months mm-hmm. ago, where faithless electives, so these electoral colleges like Harry just said, with the popular vote, it does, that indicates the electoral process. That's what the electoral is supposed to vote. That's where, like, so if a red state says, hey, I want to vote for Trump, he's right. The representative is supposed to do that. Right. But because that Supreme Court decision just happened, they're actually enforcing that now. So the case was the delegates were like, well, if I have this delegate vote, I should be able to vote however I want, like as far as like a free speech type of thing. Like that's their amendment right. But no, no. The Supreme Court finally fought back and said, no, it is your job, like Harry said, to represent the people. That's a democracy. Yeah. Or even a republic. Even in a republic, that those people are supposed to fucking represent us. <laughs> they weren't doing that. They weren't doing it. And that was so indicative. That was so – it glared so hard when Trump won because, like, but you, you saw it. We all saw it. He did not win the popular vote by right. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like three million lot. people is a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> to, then, to then be in the White House and not have one. Yeah. That's a lot of people, you know. What yeah. I mean? And even and even if you like and we, we went to school in the Midwest, like even if you had people that are like, Well, you can't have the coasts, you can't have California and fucking New York. They're because yeah, we do have a big people. population right. and of course that does that, but like Get over yourselves, bro. But then why also does every time I feel like I'm watching the news, it's always like uh, uh, it's always uh, Iowa, Ohio and fucking Florida. Like I always hear the coast is so heavy. The coast is so heavy. And then when by the time we start getting down into election season, those those places become the most famous places in the world. Right. So, like, yeah, I guess they do that to even it out. I don't know. Well, Florida's on the coast still. Oh, true. So, it's, okay. it's like around water. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's right. That's right. Well, the Electoral College obviously was created to give those battleground states an edge. And to be honest, it's antiquated. So those battleground states do not need to be battleground states anymore. We all have televisions. 90% of the world right. has cell right. phones. Yep. 90% yep. of the world has cell phones. Everyone gets Even. the information evenly now. So Exactly. So there's no need for the Electoral College and there's no need for battleground states. So you're you're actually correct. So when they did make the when they did make that or the battleground states or even the Electoral College, it was because we barely had any newspapers. We had no ways for the presidential mm. candidates to like travel up and down west, east, west for like fucking to make their their way to promote their candidacy and their campaign. All right. Um Oh, let's uh, describe. Let's get into the rise in awareness in Africa. Let me click on that link real quick. We're not going too hard. I just want to show that like it's going viral lately. All the like and and this stuff has always been happening in Africa. Let's not like pretend you know this just happening like in a, a vacuum or anything like that. No, these things are ongoing. We just want to touch on them. We want like you know it's trending. It's trending. So, but we don't, but we don't want to make light of it either. You know what I'm saying? We don't right, make right. exactly ongoing issues in Africa, Nigeria. I had to, like, look up the pro- proper way to say this because I know Trump fucked this up. Namibia, 
Democratic Republic of Congo and Burkina Faso. So real quick, uh, if you've been seeing the word SARS everywhere, it is the special anti-robbery squad. It's a part of the police force founded to prevent robbery. They abuse their power by attacking, detaining, stealing, pestering, and killing innocent citizens without consequences. Even though Nigerians police force announced to dissolve SARS, that does not mean to end police brutality. Nigerians have been and are still protesting for the end of police brutality and SARS. And this is after Boko Haram. So like I said, like, Nigeria is like a great Western African country. So, you know, when they're going through, when they're hurting, you know, a lot of people are hurting. Do you know anything about this, Brandon? Do you have anything to add? Uh, I know very light, to be honest. The the the, same, the same. info I got really was watching. There's a Trevor Noah clip that's going around. It's like nine minutes long. And he kind of broke it down in a very, like, pragmatic way. And that's really where I learned the most info. So I didn't know what SARS meant until I saw that. And the one piece that I will say that that like stood out to me a lot was he like in the clip, there's several Nigerians themselves and they're talking about how they're being profiled. Right. And you parallel that with the profiling here, which is like your skin is the thing that gets you profiled. Whereas for them, because obviously everyone has the same skin, essentially. I didn't know um, that by the way you're teaching me. The, no, it, <laughs> I, didn't, it, it, I didn't see this episode. They were saying that um, it's by the property that they have. So they were saying the cell phone is like the number one thing that will get you pulled over, a harassed, shot, whatever, because oh, the cell phone, shit. if you have an iPhone or like a Galaxy, like a newer model phone, it's it in two SARS, it indicates that you somehow are into scamming or into thieving people online because in their mind, how else would you be able to afford the that's, uh, broken, that's their version of broken door policing? Right, exactly. So that part was crazy to me because then I'm also like, well, who are you robbing to get it? It's like, are you saying that no one in the country has an iPhone 10, right? <laughs> or I, like, it isn't like, you know, there's maybe they think they're going to a resort or something like that. I don't know. But the, the, that to me was like the biggest takeaway of the parallel of skin here and technology there being like the, the thing that gets you stopped or harassed or whatever. But that was it. I don't really know too, too, you know. Who would have thought a country would do uh, racial profiling even dumber than us? Holy shit. Right, even worse. Exactly. Boy, what the fuck? So uh, Trump's favorite African country is Namibia. And uh, no joke aside, sexual and gender-based violence, SGBV. I, I was doing uh, campaigns for that when I worked at Columbia University. Uh, has been an ongoing issue in Namibia. The Namibian uh, police force reported at least 200 monthly uh, sexually based violence uh, acts, cases, and more than 1,600 rape cases during the 18 months ending in June 2020 of this year. Women and young girls experienced femicide. I had to explain this to one of my friends. He's in his third. And to be honest, there's no joke on anybody, to be honest. A lot of people don't know what femicide is, but we'll get into that. Uh, femicide, physical and verbal abuse, and sexual violence from men. The youth have been leading protests and de demanding for government to take action. Shut all down. By the way, um, in the graphic for the YouTube episode, we're going to put all the hashtags so you don't have to like really keep up with all the hashtags. Does anybody know anything about this? The, ge the gender-based violence in Namibia. I don't know. I don't know. Give us any I know nothing about this. what's happening in Africa. I learned it's okay, about that. It's okay, Harry. So I won't ask you. It's okay. I'll ask our <laughs> guests, but no worries. You, you, nobody's inclined <laughs> to know any of this shit. Yeah, no, I'm not so, familiar. I'm not familiar. So anyway, uh, so Namibia. Uh, to make an example of femicide, femicide is actually the number one killer of women in the world. It used to be heart attacks. Heart attacks used to be the number one killer of world in the world of women. Now it's femicide. So femicide is 
killing women in either spousal disputes, domestic abuse, um, any type of those type of things. El Salvador actually leads the world in femicide. So Namibia, that 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 sucks, man. That's happening globally, and that really sucks. That like you have to like it gotten to a point where you make a hashtag, and I know that's like you know that doesn't seem like a lot, but in today's age, where like Brandon just said, ninety percent of the world has cell phones. We're now profiling people for cell phones, and they're like you know their structure, their their uh, <laughs> was it called their caste system and shit like that. So it's crazy. I want to so know what happened couple- to the other ten percent. Like what's the other ten percent of the world doing without yeah. having a cell phone? <laughs> They have uh, they have a, the, a potato that they talk into. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Democratic Republic of Congo. Over millions of people have died in the Congo, so the Western can steal and benefit from its resources. Um, my man uh, Sudan and Congo. My man George Clooney. He he highlights them a lot. Uh, so does uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Congo is one of the yeah. I said that Colton. I don't even know. I still I read it and I still don't know what Colton is. <laughs> It could be vibranium for all I fucking know. <laughs> Colton is needed to create modern technology like smartphones, computers, laptops, and game consoles. Uganda and Rwanda both invade with financial assistance from the U.S. and U.K. to take that. Congolese women and children are being killed, enslaved, and tortured, and raped in Uganda and Rwanda to steal vi- vi- uh, that valuable mineral. And so the hashtag for that is Congo is bleeding. Damn. And then one more. We got Burkina Faso. At least 20 uh, civilians are injured, killed, or missing after jihadists have attacked the Sahel region. Burkina Bissau, I knew nothing about this, by the way. I've heard the other ones, but I've never heard about this one. Uh, Their army is struggling to stop the jihadist violence now spreading across the country. They killed almost 2,000 people this year. More than 1 million people, uh, civilians, have left their homes and relocated, fearing for their lives. There has been back-to-back jihadist violence this week. 25 displaced. Experts are concerned that empty villages might turn into new bases for jihadists. So they didn't show me a hashtag for that. But it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are lazy and they'll be like, oh, more Muslim um, dislocation, just like Syria and, you know, a lot of Middle Eastern parts of the world and stuff like that. But no, that's a uh, – uh, genitalia, mutilation, all that, that comes a lot from Christianity. So not only are they are battling against Christian fanatics and evangelicals, they're battling evangelicals from all over the place. So again, my heart goes out to the continent of Africa, these countries that are hurting. <laughs> There's a lot of places in the world that are hurting, but I'm, and I, dude, I'm glad I went to an exhibit last week where they were showing investments from China into Africa, but like, <laughs> it's not even an equal pay scale to be honest. Same thing in Jamaica. You've been to Jamaica, right, Brandon? Yeah, a couple times. Um, I remember one time they were telling us on the tour. Oh, yeah, Harry's with us. We were on the tour, the Bob Marley tour, and they were telling us that um, their biggest import is, or export, actually, is uh, sugarcane. <clears throat> and almost no Jamaicans own it. All China owns it. So that's, that's practically what's happening in Africa. They're giving them solar technology. They're testing out all this technology, but they're not giving them any credit for it. So they're used, they're basically using it. So it's good. It's good in the sense that you know Africa's getting that that investment for infrastructure and stuff like that. But you don't want it to end up like Jamaica. You don't want them like owning all their exports. So we got to keep the watch on that. Sadly, it probably will. It, it sadly, it probably will. Right? Like before, I guess. I guess for me, before we move on from no, the no, topic, please, I want to hear you. I just feel I don't. Again, I don't know. Outside of the Nigeria piece, I didn't know about any of the other ones, and and probably the. 20,000 other ones that are going on. Yeah, now. of course. Yes. Right, but don't we're, we're only tipping the surface. You're absolutely right. Right, right. But 
you know, I'd be remiss to say, like, it's just, and this is not, I'm not saying anything that everyone here doesn't already know, but it just always has to be amplified whenever anyone's listening to anything that concerns Africa. It's like, it's just so fucked up that if if the continent start, it was allowed to start from the same place that other continents were, you'd have anything that you have anywhere else, right? You'd have some, uh, you have murders, you have, you'd have some poverty. You have, like, that's just a human, that's, that's humanity since the beginning of time. Absolutely. But the, the, the disproportionate, like, delving out of, like, fucked up circumstances being in Africa, like, in terms, like, if an alien came down, they were just like, what place is the worst place, you know, in terms of that has the most turmoil and everything? It's, if you don't believe that this was intentionally done, meaning not like someone saw the future, but meaning that what you see now is, like, systemic ramifications from things that were perpetrated against Africa, like, 400, 500, 1,000 years ago, or not 1,000, but five, 600 years ago, if you don't believe that those things, like, directly caused what's going on now, then the only alternative, and a friend of mine, actually, a friend of yours, too, Tom Levitt, uh, that we went to college him. with, he actually... He's he actually, black, like, blacker than me, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he actually, <laughs> uh, cool, super cool white dude from Brooklyn, super highly intelligent. He, he, he like, coined this in terms of saying, like, if you don't believe that... <laughs> if you don't believe that those... That that is true, what I just said, then the alternative that you believe is that this continent is quote unquote like behind and underdeveloped by its own volition, right? And so like <laughs> then you're saying that like the continent that holds now, Egypt. <laughs> right. Right. Like, the continent the continent that the continent that had the most advanced civilization one, but then two had the most resources Even in the that East. people came and took yeah. exactly like how do you have the most resources and then 2,000 years later end up with the least of everything? It's obviously because everything was taken and raped and pillaged, you know, from there. So, yes, things that are done now are like Africans on Africans, right, doing things. But it's like it's learned behavior and it's like survivalist behavior from like yeah. all the, you know, the terrible shit. The only the other thing I'll say is, and I, this kind of goes with anybody that come, I think I feel like comes to America. It's like so many of like the what could have been like the and not to say that there aren't brighter, super bright minds still in Africa. Obviously there are, Absolutely. but I'm saying like imagine someone's like, oh Italy, we had Da Vinci and Michelangelo and like these people. Imagine if like out of every three of those people, one of them was like sold into slavery and never became. Leonardo da Vinci, or never became Michelangelo, or never became whoever. Be a like, terrible that's... slave, Michelangelo. That motherfucker <laughs> broke his back. Right, well, <laughs> terrible. There you slave. go. Terrible. But then you never have what you have now. So my point being, like, who knows who was sold and died on the journey and died in the Atlantic Ocean, or like, or like was super suppressed to be like somebody's like house servant slave, right? Like. There's just so much greatness that was just robbed. It just always gets me upset. I know that was like a tangent, but no, no, it's a perfect. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. No, I, dude, I have a lot of friends like that. I have a friend who lives in upstate New York, and you would think, and I've said this before, like you, like sometimes he's more conservative than Mike Pence. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's it's really annoying. Like, I don't mind. I love talking to all types of people. And especially right. the school that we went to, we had to talk <clears> to people <throat> like that. We were, like, forced to talk to people like that. I, my first class, my first class, the person said, my father paid for your schooling. And I was right. like, what? I was like, is your father named Debbie Beal? Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? So, uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, he he does not believe in white privilege. He does not believe in uh, white guilt. He thinks that everything is circumstantial. Like, even when you try to deduce things and you try to be like, well, then and that just means that you believe white people are just better. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what I'm saying. You have <laughs> to believe that then. If you <laughs> exactly. <crazy. laughs> 
Yeah, that is exactly to your point. And we'll move on real But, like, yeah, that's yeah. exactly to your point. Like, it, it, when you deduce it all, you're just like, well, then there's <laughs> nothing really to, like, you're, like, back into a corner now. Like, what what, right. what, what else is the reason? Like, what else right. is the reason? So, no, these are great topics. These are great. And, we, and we've talked about uh, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. And uh, she just got confirmed to the Senate. We all knew that was going to happen. By Halloween, she'll probably be in Supreme Court. <clears throat> Real quick, um, so we can move on to our other topics, to our other segments, I just want to ask Brandon, do you think from this move, no matter – I mean, if, if actually, sorry, hypothetically, if Biden gets in, do you think, even though he's just contemplating it, do you think he'll pack the court? Like – is it where he's adding three more people or something like that? Yeah. Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know enough about about it to 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 know if I'm being super honest. The only thought I have about any of it is that, and sorry if this doesn't answer the question, but maybe it does. Is that um, you do not have to be sorry. I I, <laughs> I don't. I, the one thing that I don't like is that, and my wife talks, and I talk about this a lot. It's like. Four years ago, when Obama or how many years ago? Shout out to the When Obama was when Obama was trying to, and I know that that was early in the year. I think it was January or something like that, right? But he was trying to appoint a Supreme oh, Court the lame duck, last. the lame duck right. presidency, right? And the notion was, yes, basically, you serve four years, so you should be able to do what you want to do within those four years, not three and one extra or whatever. My point, the thing that annoys me now is the same Democrats who are pushing to be able to appoint in the fourth are now flip-flopping and saying, no, because now we should let the new president choose. And I don't like that. And to me, it's on principle. It's not about how bad Donald Trump is. It's not about how good Obama was. It's not, a, it's not about if it's September versus January. Like to me, if, if the moral uh, hangup then was a president is for four years, they should be the one to select then whether or not you actually got your way, it shouldn't be now, oh, no, you know, he's incapable of, of selecting. It's like you have to, to me anyway, law of the land has to be based on principle, not based on, like, who who does it fit at the right time or whatever. And that's the only part I don't like about this process is that people are using – and I'm saying either way, if you think he should be able to pick or should the law, they should just make a law that says in your four years until, until – really, what is it, January – whenever inauguration is, up until that day. It's like January 20th or something like that, or 19th. Yeah, like, to me, the law should be up until that day, you can appoint whoever, or, you know, start the process on whoever, or you can't because it's your final year. Like, it has to they be will. one or the other. They'll make that memorandum After now. this, right. They, right. Uh, so they kept it purple. They kept that gray area on purpose, though. They on definitely purpose. did. They kept <laughs> so, that gray area. Yeah, just in case, like, yeah, they were like, we'll throw an alley-oop to whoever gets it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like a golden egg. Like, right. we'll, we'll, we'll hide this golden egg. Whoever finds it, Democrat or Republican, you get another Supreme Court nominee. No, I agree with you completely. Kennedy was the last controversial one <clears throat> under uh, Ronald Reagan, I believe. And that was within, like, the lame duck session. And he got to push this through. Not really, though. I think George W. Bush, I think he, I think he's the one that confirmed him later. And then you, and then historically you saw him get Clarence Thomas. And we're not going to get into the whole history of them. Kagan, Sotomayor, we've had many over the years. But uh, the last three, Kennedy went down, the same one that got appointed by Reagan. Uh, Bader Ginsburg got, uh, was down, and then Scalia. So this is, like, unprecedented that someone gets three in four years. It's like he fucked, like everybody talks about the Clintons killing people. Did Trump kill these motherfuckers? <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, well, Kennedy, actually, without getting all conspiracy, he had, right before he went down, he had that Deutsche Bank uh, controversy that his son 
hilarious that we talk about Hunter Biden. But actually, the Supreme Court's son was in uh, was in a scandal with Trump uh, with the Deutsche Bank, and he resigned like two weeks later. Okay. So there's a lot of fishiness with that. We'll leave you with that. What the fuck? Did I hear? And this is a special what the fuck did I hear because we – this is our second musical guest on the show. Actually, our third. Actually, our third. But this one actually has music to give us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We had fucking – we had musical guests and they brought like an old school track that I was on in like 2000 – ouch, 2009. Like I don't want to oh. – Exactly. I don't want to hear 2009. What would you do on it? You were you were rapping, singing? I was a hype right? man. I'm from oh, Queens. Okay. I'm from Queens, okay. man. That's what we do. That's what <laughs> Southside, right? That's all we do, bro. <laughs> I just remember so, you being Super G in the back in the day. Super G, yes. No, I gotta represent Queens. I gotta represent. Yeah. Queens. I love Fifty, even if he's talking about sixty-two percent tax rates and shit. Fucking idiot. Power was good. Power was good. I didn't get into Power Part Two. I don't really. Do you watch Power uh, Part Two, Brandon? I didn't. I didn't watch it. I love Mary. I love Method. She's yeah. She's good. Is Mary. she good at it? I love Mary. I love Mary. We'll leave it at that. Okay. If you want to, if you want to bring, yeah, if you want to bring it up in the watch section, you can. So let's get into your album, Dell. Dell, Son of the Struggle. Now I'm gonna only mention this real quick because we're only we're focusing on the album, but he has made other LPs and mixtapes. Uh, they're available online if you want to go search for them. Hip Hop Head, Maybe Tomorrow, which is one of my favorites, and Top of the Food Chain. But right now we are on Son of the Struggle, the latest project from Dell. Dell has been doing music for a long time, and he is really good at it, actually. I've seen him in freestyle. I've seen him write. You were really good, Dell. And one of, and so let me tell you my favorite tracks real quick, and then I want to hear your favorite tracks and, like, anything that, like, you want to give us any tidbits on what uh, the track to your daughter, the homage to your daughter, what things mean to you, what stands out. So real quick, let me get on Spotify because it was on my computer screen like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Son of the struggle. Insert Jeopardy music here. Right. <laughs> do, 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 do. Well, actually, you can start off. Um, oh yeah, here we go. So Raptors is one of my favorite songs. Actually, okay. that is my favorite songs. Uh, faux pas is one of them. My little girl, like we said, but I actually want you to get into that. That that sounds very special. And uh, yeah, no, I really, I really enjoyed it, man. You, you, uh, we are. A product of the '90s, so I enjoy the intro. I'm, I'm actually shocked I didn't get like a little skit in there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, Son of the Struggle is a very good album. It's very personal, like all your albums. So get get into it, brother. Get into it. Yeah, no, um, you know, coming uh, like you said, I've been doing music for a, a good long while, and really back from high school. For those who don't know me, I went to uh, the Frederick Douglass Academy in Harlem. And when we were in 10th grade, I want to say, uh, no, I was 16, uh, a couple friends of mine and myself, we convinced our high school principal to let us essentially ask a, a third party for funding to build a studio in our high school. Right. So that was like maybe that was like 2001 or something like that. Um, and post that, we started recording and all that kind of stuff. And um, right around the time when I actually won the Posse Scholarship to go to college, that's when things started like, you know, really heating up where we were, you know, people were like auditioning for making the band or we were getting records played by certain people. Like it was starting to heat up just a little bit. Um, and Let them fight. Let them fight. I kind of had to make the choice, right? Do I want to turn down the scholarship or, you know, but uh, most of my friends weren't going to college. So I felt confident in that I'll go off to school 
maybe learn the music and business and all that kind of stuff. And at some point within these four years, for sure that phone call is going to come and I'm going to be out of here. Like that's a hundred percent. And I don't know if you kind of got that when we were, you know, at the bar. Yeah. I, I tried to like, I tried to be Br- Br- Brendan West, Brenda West over here. Yeah. Any day I just thought, you know, I would be at school. Like you said, writing, making beats, whatever the case. So I'm only wearing anyways. this book back. I'm only wearing this book back for the aesthetics. motherfucker. Like. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to. Um, so yeah, you know, fast forward a bit. Um, uh, one of the younger kids who actually watched us in the studio ended up getting that record deal. And he was managed by one of my friends. So his name is Charles Hamilton. Um, he had a, a song out in 2009 called Brooklyn Girls. He got signed to Interscope. It was like, uh, oh, I, I know one, that song. Oh, shit. yeah. $1.5 million deal. And Damn. that was other than, than him. And he and I were cool, but I didn't like grow up with him. Cause he was, a that's really cool. That's a, that's but, a like, very popular song. Yeah, so we did songs together and stuff like that, too. But my friends who were around him, right, his, who managed him, who did all his mixtapes with him and all that, essentially when he went to Jimmy Iovine and got the deal, he got a label deal. So everyone else was supposed to come out as well. So by the time I graduated, because that's when he got the deal in 2008, I was like, oh, it's definitely on now. I, I, I managed to get the degree, and I'm going to be able to, you know, be on. J. Cole, and long man. story short, yeah, I was hoping, right? Right. Uh, long story short. <laughs> Uh, he had he had some uh, mental illness uh, issues, and this was like oh. before that was like a thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So he ended up getting dropped from Interscope before his debut came out. Oh. And it's crazy looking at the uh, the Double XL freshman cover he's on with Wale, with Bob, with Kid Cudi. Like these are people who were his contemporaries who all you know ended up having viable wow. careers. Mr. Flatter. So, yeah, right. So, um, so anyway, I say that to say after that, I still wanted to do music coming out of school, even though I was disheartened by, you know, being like right there and not getting it. So kept doing mixtapes, kept performing on the underground circuit in New York, SOBs, New Yorican, you know, all the kind of That's New right. York That's right. staples. Um, and from like 08 to maybe 14 to 2014, I was like all in on music. So I spent like thousands of dollars. I didn't give a shit what jobs I had. Like it was, I was like, it was everything was to pay the bills for music, right? And so around 2014, I just kind of got burned out, to be honest. And, I'm, and the reason why this is relevant to Son of the Struggle it's is very, I stopped, very relevant. I, I stopped making music in 2014. So this now in 2020, I was still done for the last six years. And I can tell you honestly, if it wasn't for quarantine, I wouldn't have even made another album. It would have been done. Thank goodness. But this it's year kind of pushed me work. to say, thank you, bro. It kind of pushed me to be more creative, and you know, here we are with with this body of work that I obviously feel is my best body of work and the most like uh, mature body of work. Who's well, the graphic artist for the album uh, cover? I actually ended up making the, <laughs> the album cover. Nice. <laughs> quarantine shit, shit you pick up in quarantine. Man. I love it. You're nice. on YouTube. How do you make an album? <laughs> you know. Just, well, yeah, you know, being, in the, being in the being in the so we are, of course. Like I noticed right. that. I'm like, nice. Look, look at you, little graphic de- design skills over there. Just trying, man. Trying, and you know, that's the it's the rose coming out of the concrete. Up yeah, the a little Tupac over here, a little Tupac. Yeah, and then I made it sort of with the purple pink flare because you know I'm from Harlem, and that's you're thoughtful. You're do. thoughtful. That's yeah. why you're here, man. Right. That's why you're here. Mm-hmm. There's always something. There's always something. It's placed your producer. You you were a producer first, to be honest. In my opinion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you've always been able to arrange music, um, and, and you were a fantastic rapper. So that's not even taken away from that. Oh, You're always that, someone that has like a great ear for music. So when we, we we used to have like music debates and stuff like that, like you always knew what you were talking about. Like and and especially from something that I was always missing, or anybody else that was in those conversations. Even though Harry, I think that's why Harry chuckled before. In our school, we were able to do the same thing too. Um, they built a studio. For oh, us. that's dope! I, I didn't, I didn't do that. I was in the uh, the drama department, 
but okay. uh, my brother was, and I think Harry was too, right? Harry did. Well, no, I just spent a lot of time there. I was in the art part. I was in like arts and I was doing like video and stuff. So I was pretending like my friends, whatever they were doing with my project. Right. I'm a dog. Yeah, wait, so wait, I was wait. in there the whole time. What high school is this again? I forget. Oh, uh, Renaissance Charter. Renaissance Charter. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a few of our colleagues, uh, Connor and uh, and stuff like that, have been there. That came from there. Oh, Danny Sanchez in Taiwan. Danny yes. Sanchez. Okay. Right, doing big. Th- I gotta get him on the show. He's amazing. Yeah, he would be dope. Yeah. He'd be a dope guest. Yes, and that, see, that's what I'm saying. Uh, we try to bring people that are great brands. You know what I'm saying? Like, and again, like multifaceted people, like you just said before, like the job, and you, you've had an incredible job. That's hilarious. That like, you were just like, especially with the recession and stuff like that. Like you, I had a bumpy road to get my degree. Like you were more, not, I, I, I don't want to say smooth sailing. Nobody's smooth sailing. <laughs> Even if you no, go like, I did, straight I, forward. I, I did it in four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Exactly. So, but like, even with that, yeah. like you would think that you get rewarded with like, you know, a great, career right away you know what i'm saying like no you took a long time to get that and even within that journey you had the eye on the prize for music it turned mm-hmm. out to something beautiful in my mind thank you bro no problem no problem so again we got raptors we got khadijah based in music we got back in the day oh that's actually i didn't even say that that was one of my yo the chorus of that that's hilarious <laughs> it's like i would go back but then i thought about it i was broke and i nah, would not fuck that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That was the flip that, you know, yeah. a lot of people didn't catch that, too. Funny that that was bad, funny. Like, I wasn't in the shower, and I was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what inspired that that one? And not the song, but the flip there. It was always a uh, freeway's flip side because I always was impressed by, you know, it's a party song, and people are, especially in New York, you used to just, like, you know, get a dance on, on flip side. Mm-hmm. It's a dope-ass song. But people don't pay attention now on the chorus when he's like the, what is it, the We Rip Crowds whole lot of bottles and a little like the first half of the hook he's talking about partying and then he goes flip side crack house ah. a little bit and he starts talking about how they're making drugs right yeah. and so that was always like in the back of my mind so when i was writing back in the days i was like what if half of the hook is like positive and then the other half is like no nah, fuck <laughs> that i don't want to go back and it worked out it worked out pretty good nice um, um before before we move on uh to a little bit of music news um, please tell us about the track, the very intimate and personal track about your daughter, Drea, beautiful young lady. Oh, thank you, man. Um, no problem. Yeah, so that was actually the last, I would say the last song that I wrote for the album, maybe finished it maybe like three weeks before I went to the studio to record it. And really because I'm not, uh, personally, I'm not a big fan of like the cliche, like this is from my son or my daughter. Whatever. And well, I then think, you need to I mean, leave this show because this is all about cliches. This is show. No, I'm joking. Keep going. And, and it's because everyone's a creative, so obviously they're allowed to, you know, make what they want. But the, the songs that have always stuck out to me were the people who were able to take that idea and take it to, like, another level. Like, I always um, – I, I put out a, a, a meme the other day too. that said – the Haley song? Yeah, I knew it. I knew yeah. it. <laughs> I thought, I thought to me, Haley's song is the best done, like, tribute in terms of hip-hop tribute uh, child. And that's when it was, like, is. at its peak, too, the, the right, tributes exactly. to daughters and mothers exactly. and all that. Yes. I love that, you know, just when the song opens and he's like, you know, I don't sing, whatever. And then you get, like, this essentially beautifully sung chorus from him, which is part of the reason why I didn't bring in a singer, because I was like, well, my daughter hears this when she's grown. I'm not a singer, but I wanted to hear me you know, being vulnerable and harmonizing or whatever. Yeah. But I also appreciated on Haley's song that once he got to the rap verse, like he didn't he didn't dim the light of how nice he was lyrically to get the point across. And that is something that I always feel like people do with those tribute songs. It's like you have the album and someone's like rapping their ass off and then they'll get to the tribute song and then it's kind of like they just let the foot off the oh, gas, yeah. right? And I felt like with M, he was able to like 
to go there and still keep it, you know, on on um on brand. So anyway, with my song, I wanted to write about obviously my daughter and the experiences, but then I got kind of caught in like a do I talk about like real personal stuff with her? Do I talk about like advice I would give her? Like that was always the the situation I was stuck in. And I think by the end I found like a perfect, you know, sort of sweet spot there. So I love that song. It's 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 um it's a, a super special song. It's not my favorite song, but it's definitely uh a very special song. Good man. Sure. Uh, yo, uh, well, Harry and I do not have any offspring, so you're, we're taking notes, man. We're like, uh, <laughs> when we come out with a rap album, we're like, how do we make a tribute <laughs> to our daughter, our future? But, well, not that I'm even raising anything with you, Harry. Fuck out of here. You gotta get rid of the pop dolls first, motherfucker. <laughs> don't hate. Don't hate. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of evil twin, no, I'm joking. Mm. Um, we have Noah Cyrus. We're not gonna go too far into it because she was barely wearing anything anyway. So. Like, there's really not much to talk about. Uh, she practically did what her sister did a few years ago with Robin Thicke. When was that? Like 2014, I believe. Um, when uh, when Blurred Lines and Wrecking Ball and all that shit was happening. And uh, Bangers, I believe, her album and shit like that. Uh, oh, is that the one where she had, like, the she was swinging on the Wrecking Ball? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. Wrecking Ball. Yo, people, I yo, I know, Mad Karen's out of the world, that's like their theme song. You're like, <laughs> Wrecking Ball! Like, they be coming out of nowhere with that shit, like, holy shit. <laughs> anyway, so all those Kool-Aid Karens, good job with the Wrecking Ball. But anyway, Noah Cyrus, uh, they made a big deal about it. She she actually has a hit song. She actually has a hit song. It's like with this uh, this this black country singer, not Nas X. Everybody, like, always, like, puts it towards him. But, um, Harry, well, Darius can you find Rucker, that real quick? Sitting the god of the, to Darius Rucker, the god of the... I love Darius Rucker. Rucker. I actually yeah, saw him in the Blowfish last summer. Yeah, man. <laughs> Legendary. Legendary. All right, I'm about to blow up somebody, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say the name of my cousin. My cousin dated him this year, by the way. What am I Really? Cousins? I know, I'm not gonna blow her slot up. <laughs> they, were, they, they were dating for a little while, and when we were in Paris, she, t- like, it's funny, she told me that I, like, kind of forgot. And so a lot of people were like, yeah, she's dating Hootie, Hootie of the Blow. I'm like, what? No, she's not. So then I go to Paris. She goes, who'd you think I was talking about? I was like, oh, shit, you did tell me. Really him. I was like, oh, damn. Really him. Right, but. Jimmy Allen. Jimmy Allen. Okay, good. So she did a duet with him, and that actually did very well in the country circuit. And so that wasn't enough for her. So she wore, and you'll see it in the graphics for the YouTube uh, subscribers out there. Um, it was a transparent dress, and it had like basically a. Uh, oh, I'm looking at it now. Yes, oh, a yeah, it was like a transparent bomb or something like that. But she wore it in the music video too. Like it was a very similar outfit. So whatever. It's like I a mean, long it doesn't song. look. It doesn't look bad. I mean, it doesn't look terrible. She's 20. <laughs> she looks good though. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, she does. No, she's a good looking person. I, I looked at her TikTok too. Like, oh man, I did my due diligence. I, did, I you know, I had to research, man. I had to research. I had to research that. But it's wild though. <laughs> it is wild. It is wild. So kudos to Billy Ray Cyrus, man. You are producing some great, great genes out there, brother. <laughs> anyway, so moving on to the Joe exper- the Joe Rogan experience, episode fifteen forty uh, forty four. Don't have to go too deep into it. Fifteen, sorry, fifteen fifty four. Kanye West. The only reason why we're talking about this is because this has been on the books for years, for years. Joe Rogan um, is trying to, and, and there was actually a pitch. Him and Charlemagne the God were actually supposed to do like a a tour together or something like that with Kanye West, and it actually fizzled out years ago. And then Joe Rogan said that he was just going to have it on the show himself, and so finally, years later. 
again, surrounding mental health. And we know Kanye West and, and Brandon said it before. We, we've had these people in our lives before, and they're just getting highlighted now. So right now, bipolar is the is the uh, the soup of the day, the soup du jour. And uh, so, and Kanye West, unfortunately, is the poster boy for it at the moment until we get more normalized focus onto it. But uh, yeah, no, it was a very popular episode, and it and it it, it definitely um, was worth the hype. I listened to like the first hour of it, and it was very good. It um it, it it's, not, it's nothing new, by the way. There's nothing revealing about it. It's it's right. like, if you're interested in Kanye, if you like him as <clears throat> like we said as a brand, as a person, as an icon, which I do. You don't. I love to. Kanye. Yeah, yeah. I same. love Kanye. Even when he did something bad, I'm very disappointed so that, in a lot of stuff. Yeah, me done, too. I still love him. Right. Me too. Um, I don't so. think I'm ever going to stop either. I don't know why. Yeah, like, exactly. He, he had to do something really, because, and he said some wild shit with the, that slavery is a choice, and I still didn't abandon him. I still was like, Well, the I thing is, to your actually. point about, the thing is, to your point about bipolar, not, you know, just no, to no, stay please, on there please. for a quick second, it's like, guess, people, you, you can't say like, you know, pray for mental health and we need funding for mental health. And then when you see a person like demonstrating that they have a mental illness, then say, oh, Cancel, cancel, whatever. Like, what do you think that the, that people do? They say shit like slavery was a choice or, you know, these other things. Like, otherwise, you're not truly really supportive of it. Because what people want to do is say, pray for people who are on opioids. Pray for people who have mental health issues. Pray for blah, blah, blah. But then when someone does a thing that you would do on opioids, then it's like, cancel. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> so which, which one is it? Fam, like, you know what I mean? And that's, that's how I feel about Kanye. Like, obviously, I think he makes a lot of bad choices but if we're being honest he made bad choices from the beginning of his career it's just that a lot of them turned out to be revolutionary and like innovative and now on the tail end of his career on the latter part of his career the bad choices they don't look they don't look as as well but he's never been a well thought out person right and like that's sort of the problem now yeah exactly um so well he said that he said that in the joe rogan experience he said uh to capsulate it he was just like and he said the same thing as you said he's like now you're seeing a bipolar person I like right. to think of the audience of Kanye West or fans like myself and yourself, not like yourself, my bad, the people that you were talking about, fans mm. of Kanye that have jumped ship or whatever the case may be because of his mental health struggles. I think of homeless people. I think of people mm. that go, oh, feed the homeless, feed the vets, this and that. And then when they see a homeless person, they walk right Right. Away. Treat them like shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. And and the the, the, the thing I will say that I don't. The part that I guess disappoints me the most about Kanye was it actually came from Talib Kweli, who I was listening to on a podcast. Funny enough, he was on Jamal Hill's. Say about Kanye, yeah, (laughs) that opening tour, (laughs) and you know how close they are. So, like, if you're hearing it from him, you know you're getting something like real. He was on Jamal Hill's podcast. I think it's called Unbothered. Um, Yeah, she's great. Her podcast is amazing, and he was he was saying that after he saw uh, Kanye in the like in the white in the oval office he texts them and then he called them and he's like hey if you're going to no. be talking about stuff here's some information to just make sure you're knowledgeable about it so he's like i sent him these links and like digestible stuff though he's like i sent him the youtube clips i like i told him i'll get him on the phone with like michael Eric dyson or this guy or that guy like he's like i sent him all this shit and he said he texted me back he said bro can you throw it in a one sheet for me Oh so he was, he was like, that showed me that, like, he's not interested in doing the work to speak. He's just saying, I want to learn as little as I can and then and then say whatever I want. And that's the part that I don't 
like about it's not that we all shouldn't have an opinion whether we're celebrities or athletes or janitors or whoever it's like whoever you are i just want you to be knowledgeable on what you're saying that's why even when we were setting this podcast up i was like i'll speak to what i know and the stuff i don't know i won't speak on right and i feel like with kanye he'll intentionally not know what the fuck he's talking about and then say but i want to be the person to speak on it like not a person i want to be the person and that's like fucking insane it's like the most trumpian shit like you know yeah. Ever, so and when you said that when you said the one page and i and i'm actually going to come to the defense a little bit even though okay. there's no proof know, that this yeah. happened there's no proof that this happened um so that could definitely be right what you just said as far mm-hmm. as the telequality's uh perspective as far as like putting it on the one page but but we do know this about trump trump only takes his information on one page right, literally right. does. so you could either take it as and a lot of people say this about Kanye that he literally is the black version of Trump. Like, you know what I'm saying? And even Trump and he even said that on the interview. Right. He's like a lot of people said that I am like him. And he goes, I have to agree. He goes, There's like a lot of people who feel that I act just like him and that like I care about my personal brand a lot more than all other things. And this and I was like, damn, that really is him. Or you could take it as he was trying to get it to so again, I've I read the John Bolton book, I've read the uh Mary Trump book, and they both confirm that he, he basically can't read. <laughs> He basically, not Kanye, <laughs> right. not Kanye, not right. the college dropout. The guy that went to Wharton. <laughs> He's the one that can't read. So it's notorious. Um, General Patton, um, Pompeo, everybody, they all said the chief of staff, uh, former chief of staff John Kelly, Steve Bannon, they all testify and say, Kelly and Conway, they all say he will not re- First of all, even if you put it on one page, there's no guarantee he'll read it. In the Bolton book, he said, Whenever they would read a brief, and especially when they would put it on one page, he would go like this. He would still get bored, and he'd be like this. Where's the action? Where's the action? <laughs> what? Yeah, he, he would still do that. So, so again, sorry. No, I'm not saying Kanye. I'm not no, saying Kanye did, but if, if I knew that about Trump, I would put it on one page, too. <laughs> I would, yeah, and I would, I would put it on one page. I think for me it's just like. Or find other ways to, like, it's a difference between me and you knowing us because we're not making choices for people's lives, right? If I know he is, like, get him a documentary. Get him a fucking, put it in a Hamilton play and show him, <laughs> the thing, right? Like, do what right, I even need to do. that. <laughs> right, exactly. So whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So we're gonna we're gonna move on. Well, hello there, Mister UPS Bob. What the fuck did I play? All right. So, uh, Harry, we haven't heard much from you, so we'll start off with you. Pokemon Sword and Shield, the new downloadable content. Go yes. ahead, Harry. Deep so, dive, uh, motherfucker. Fuck yeah. So, uh, yeah, Sword and Shield came out about last year. Uh, they recently, you know, it's a new game on like the actual internet. So they came out with a second a second DLC. Uh, the clown? No, not the clown. The um, something Tundra, Crown Tundra, and it basically continues off from the original storyline and the other DLC, and you gotta find like alternate versions of uh, Gen One Pokemon and Gen Three Pokemon. So it's like same Pokemon but different design, and it's like a open world experience, and you gotta you know get a Pokedex based on that little island which I already got minus the few Pokemon I'm missing. But yeah, it's it's fun so far. Uh, some Pokemon uh, possessed some other dude. So it's getting a little crazy. So far. Yeah. they could do that. How did they do that? Question for you: How many? Because you know we're like. Brandon, I'm so proud of that you have a question. That's so great. I, I, I just I, I, was, I, was, I had zero. <laughs> Go ahead. How many? Eight hundred and ninety-five. What? Get the fuck out of here. Eight hundred and ninety-five. I'm I'm from the one hundred and fifty era when it was. Oh, I thought there was over two hundred. 
I said 894. Oh, 800. My bad. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. But remember what when it was just 1,000? Huh? Shit. Remember when it was just 150 and you could yes. almost like name everything? 151. No, I can name oh, it off, but I have yeah. to see the picture. I can't name it off the top uh, of my head. Okay. But like if I see a picture of it, I know who it is. You know who it is. That's yeah. crazy. That's dope. Gary, I refuse to be impressed by that. It's the one <laughs> game I listen. It's the one of the few games I buy, like, no matter. You know, that one is Kingdom Hearts, God no of War. Like, there's certain franchises I just buy. Look, man, a couple of years ago, I spent, like, $100 on a Telltale game because they kept every stage I advanced to. Batman? They were like, you pay, pay. No, I, so I didn't finish Batman. It was uh, Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah, I looked at my. That's actually a good one. That's a really good one. I got my iTunes receipt. It's like sixty dollars in there. (laughs) You bought the full game. I was just just going every stage. So hey, whatever full game though, they got you to buy the full game. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, basically that's how much the game costs anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I didn't put this on the sheet, but there is a. If you have hair on your nuts, there is a DLC for Ghost of Tsushima. And so if you want to get into that, he has extra missions that you can get on. And as a matter of fact, Harry is going to introduce this as well to us real quick because I've never played this game still, but it's very, very popular. Among Us. Tell us about Among Us real quick before we tell uh, what happened with AOC and the platform on Twitch. So Among Us is this game, basically, it's a uh, chaotic democracy. So basically, depending on how you have the game set up, there's one or more imposters which go around killing people. And then whoever is not an imposter is a crewmate who gets who has to then figure out who the imposter is. Now the people who are crewmates have tasks. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to say what that's called from the article that I read. It's uh, a game of social deduction. Go back, my bad. Yeah, so like it's more like chaotic democracy is how I see it. But basically, <laughs> so yeah, so it's like <laughs> yeah, it's he said fuck, exactly fuck what you said, right? <laughs> you know, not it, right? Um, so yeah, so they have crewmates who have to do tasks around the ship, you know, fixing wires and all that, while the imposters go around trying to kill people, go through vents, and uh, so you're doing all these tasks, and out of nowhere, you can just see a dead body on the ground, and then you report it, and then there's like an emergency <clears> meeting. You say, oh, you know, someone, I saw a dead body here. So you have to figure out who the imposter is. Now people have different tricks, like oh, they they kill a person, but then they they self report and they blame the other person. You're like, yo, uh-huh. I saw you kill this person, or like they might come out the vent accidentally or get caught on a security camera. And, and then we there come are from tears. areas that don't snitch, so we're not playing this game. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 there's no way to snitch. So there's like depending on like if there are two imposters, then there might be a snitch. Like the one imposter is trying to get the other one out. To like let them keep going, but then yeah, but then some people cheat and like automatically call meetings knowing who the imposter is and shit. But yeah, it's a fun game. It's quite and then, yeah, so you vote and you have to explain why one person should leave. So like people can like like I said, people could gang up on one person or randomly say someone is sus and that's based. So sus is now like the word of funny. <laughs> Everyone is sus. I mean, we've been saying it for a long time, but yeah. Right, that's like a New York staple. <laughs> no, exactly, but like now it's everywhere. Sus. Like, <laughs> crazy. Anyway, so here's the uh, the tweet from AOC, our congress member from the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens. Uh, join me. I don't know how to say his name. Pokemon, Pokimane, LOL, Hassan the Hun, and more on Twitch. Are you on Twitch at all, uh, Brandon, or do you, are, do you mark your research? I, I know what that? it is, but I, I gotcha, know. Gotcha. Uh, logic's on there. That's right. That's right. Three million dollars. Um, you were tired. You were tired. Uh, to go to yeah, yeah. He didn't, he didn't retire. What do you mean he's on there? What is he? Is he a host? He's a. Like he's a, He's a like an official spot. Like he sponsored 
He's a sponsored game player. Oh, like so the, he's, got you. So wow. he said he retired. He didn't retire. Same thing with Lupe Fiasco. They like he's a professional gamer now. They still make music. It's just their number one thing is gaming now. Yeah. He wanted to do something to stay home with his kid. Yeah, which makes sense. Ludacris, the movie business, they, they all do that. Well, ironically, now it's like you have no fucking choice. So it's right. dope yeah. that they got ahead of the curve, right? Well, no, it was after his uh, tour last year. Is when he oh, was God. like, oh, this is my last tour. Yeah, this was before COVID was a thing. Right. So yeah, yeah it's perfect. <laughs> So uh, so this was actually made to get people to vote. So Twitch is a huge platform, and again, uh, Brent is in advertising, so obviously it had to like get on his radar somewhere. We're into popular culture, so and we love video games, so like we love. So that's the broadcasting app, the video game broadcasting app. So AOC, she's I don't even think she's over thirty yet, and she is reaching a millennial Generation Z crowd, and uh, it's perfect. It's perfect. We just we talked about the voting numbers. We talked about the voting numbers in the NBA and the, and the America. It's already gone up significantly. Whoever you voted for, it doesn't matter. You're now participating in democracy. So whatever way we can entice people to vote, I'm all for it. So thirty-one. Uh, nice. Oh, so she is. She's a so millennial. So officially declare orange sus is among us. So she had to throw in the, the Aaron Suss, who is the, the villain, I oh, guess, wow. in the game, and who was also a villain in our real life. So, no, no, no. Hiding uh, in the Oval Office. Every character is a different color. Every character is, like, red, blue, and all that, and that's how people go by. So it's like, oh, red sus, or, like, I saw black vent. Okay. Uh, wow. I love when you ruin my jokes. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, do we have anything else? Nope. Let's get on to the interview with Mr. What the fuck was that? Let's do this. What the fuck did I watch? Okay, this is this is actually one of my favorite parts of the show. And so here we go. Oh, yeah, because the tweet, the tweet is what fucking messed me up. Like, that's why I don't usually put those notes there. Anyway, so uh, this is the portion where we watch binge-worthy things, either on film and television. We have a perfect person here today. This is why he's a great guest, because he can touch on a lot of subjects, including um, what he's promoting. So, uh, But nothing is on Hulu that we're talking about, which is kind of... <laughs> no, no, we got no Hulu. But he's Dell. He's Dell, so it doesn't matter. I don't He's Dell, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we didn't mention the Success Academy either. We didn't want him to get in trouble oh. with Diddy. We didn't want him to get in trouble with <laughs> What's the Success Academy? That's, I'm sorry. That's uh, the Diddy um, school that he uh, set up. Oh yeah. And I worked for Harlem yeah. RBI when they were when they were gear, uh, raising capital to build uh, the Dream School in Harlem. That was basically the competition. Like they were always like pitting themselves against Diddy. They were just like the Success Academy, the Success Charter Academy. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was like their that was like I their forgot group. what that was called. Okay. Yeah. No, it, it's actually not done very well. <laughs> like LeBron, <laughs> LeBron is the real blueprint on the what is it called? Right. The what is it called? The Rise Academy. I forgot what it's called. It's called. Uh, Harry, look that up real quick. The Academy for LeBron in uh, Ohio, Akron. But anyway, so possessor. Well, oh, promise! I promise. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Another, another catchy. I promise. <laughs> another catchy. <laughs> right. Shout out to Steve Jobs on that one. So possessor, video on demand. We talked about this in the pre meeting, so I won't waste anybody's time. I saw possessor again. It is uh, about not again. Nobody heard me in the pre meeting. Fuck all, yeah. Um, <laughs> In Possessor, it's basically about this woman who is an assassin. She enters into an animus, 
just like Matrix or whatever. She gets plugged in and she goes into other people's body, into their brain, kind of like um, that Jennifer Lopez movie. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Cell? Uh, was that the Cell. The no, Cell, yes. Oh, yeah, so yeah. she goes into other people's brains and she assassinates whoever they need her to assassinate. The person who is the host fights back and tries to affect her life in return. So that's a very good movie. I highly recommend that. The Secrets We Keep is another very good film. This is more of an indie flick. This is also in the theaters, video on demand. It's about a Romanian woman in the 50s, and she's living her suburban life, and then one day she sees someone that she remembers from a Nazi Holocaust camp, containment camp. So she goes, like, so it's kind of like that movie with Hugh Jackman, um, Prisoners, she takes matters into her own hands, and it gets crazy Fire from movie. there. And from that, from then on, you have to figure out if he's a Nazi or not, because you don't know if she's going crazy or if, if like, she's doing the right thing. It's a very good movie. Trial of Chicago Seven, Sasha Bor Cohen, my man Kendall from Succession. You got so many uh, high-profile characters. Hugh, uh, Fred Hampton, Bobby Seals from the uh, Black Panther. So basically, the Trial of the Seven is. Uh, the protests of the Vietnam War and what they were really fucked up, by the way. Franklin Jella did a very good job playing the judge. I hated that motherfucker. And I love, I love Franklin Jella, great actor. He was the judge who just like basically tried to trample on everybody and tried to basically throw Bobby Seale in jail. He wasn't even a part of that protest. He was a part of a case that was going down in Connecticut, like a killing, which he was actually absolved of. And he did most of his jail time from the contempt from this case that he wasn't even supposed to be a part of. Bullshit. Mm. Bullshit. And as a matter of fact, uh, Fred Hampton got assassinated while he was on trial during the trial seven. So a lot of shit happened to Bobby Seals while it was happening. So a lot of injustice happened to the leader of the Black Panther. But with this movie, again, and it's not just about him. It's about a lot of people in this. But the fucked up part about it is they were doing this trial. And in order to indict him, in order to get him successfully indicted, they threw him onto that case. While he was going through the Connecticut case so that he could just mm. be found guilty. Crazy movie. Obviously, it's historically based, so you'll you'll get to find out what really happens. Um, nobody really wins. Um, there's a few pol- – there's actual real-life politicians that are from that movie. Oh, damn. Harry, could you look that up real quick? There's a congressman. I think he just retired recently, but he actually became a senator after this movie. So then we have Borat, subsequent movie film, the sequel to my man um, Ali G, my man Sasha Bor Cohen, uh, the uh, the spouse of Isla Fisher. Uh, it was okay. Uh, I'll let Harry get more into it, but uh, I, the first half. So when you see the whole movie, you appreciate it more. But the first half was just very, very. In my opinion, using women as the vehicle to show feminism. So the reason why I say that is because we talked about cuties a couple weeks ago. So I don't agree with this statement, by the mm. way. A lot of people say that you have to ex- – they're like, you don't have to exploit children to show child exploitation. So the same thing I go – and I don't mean to get, like, super analytical over Borat. I mean, <laughs> um, but Borat, in the first half, they were using his daughter. I'll, I'll reveal that part. He has a daughter in this movie, and they were using her as the vehicle to show discrepancies in feminism. And obviously it's Borat, so he's going to show it in very grotesque ways. So the, I didn't see the point of it in the first half. Then when it got to Giuliani, then when it got to, like, you know, uh, the COVID part and stuff like that, that's when it got really funny, and that's when you started to look at it as a whole film. Harry, what's your take on it? So before I continue, the actress who plays his daughter was born in 1996. 
So she's like 24. Who's that? Uh, her name is Maria Baklava. She played his daughter, who was supposed to be 15 in the movie, but she's really 24. Hold on. What was the question I asked? No, you're saying <laughs> that uh, they're using children to, like, exploit, like, for feminism, like, reasonings. I don't know what you – Yeah. Oh, we we went into this conversation here. We're not getting into cuties. I'll just, just, no, I, we're not, no, we're not. I'm just saying the actress was 24. She wasn't really 15. Uh, but hold up, did you find uh, the actor? Did you find the um, the senator that was in uh, the? Um, I don't know the senator's name. Trial of the Seven. I don't. Know what's the What's Thank the uh, senator's name? I don't know. Yeah, that's name. what I'm looking for. <laughs> you just look at the cast. You know who played it? I, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't know what the name is because they don't say. It'll say it, Ari, but it's okay. Thanks for looking. Anyway, so Borat is basically, um, you know, he gets thrown in jail because Tom Hayden, Tom Hayden, Eddie Redmayne played Tom Hayden. Mm-hmm. Tom yeah, I didn't Hayden know. is a California senator. I didn't know that. Keep going. So anyway, Borat he uh, he goes to jail because uh, in Kazakhstan because of what happened. Because of the movie, basically, Kazakhstan became a laughingstock. So, um... Don't give the whole fucking plot, motherfucker. I'm not. Tell, I'm not. tell your review. <laughs> so, okay, so I, I found it quite enjoyable. It was definitely a great sequel. I thought it was hilarious. It really shows, like, staple on how bad uh, Trump supporters are. Like, mm. someone literally did a fucking Hail High, uh, Hitler thing in, like, a clip during the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's bad how white people are. Like, <laughs> white people... <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Brandon? No, I was gonna say a lot of times the the, the Trump supporters like you, they don't even know what they're talking about, right? It's like one thing to like to like firmly believe in your belief system and all that, but then it's like they don't even know what the fuck they're talking about along the no. way. So it's just no. crazy. Bunch like of, like Chris Rock said, uh, bunch of C students, right? <laughs> hey, I was a C student. You, you, you're I definitely American. You definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Did I interrupt somebody? What did, it, what did somebody say? No, no, no. Oh, good, good. So go ahead, Harry. That was that was my help. Oh yeah. So was, like, it's it's great. It's great. Oh, there's a and there's a controversy with uh, Rudy Giuliani in that oh, movie. Oh yeah. So the, the he daughter said he was, was just, he was just he was just tucking in his shirt, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. He, so he went with the, <laughs> in a room with a nut with the uh, Borat's daughter to take off a microphone. Who goes into a bedroom to take off a microphone? Lights off, by the way. Lights yeah, off. Lights yeah, whatever. Off. You guys are going to see it. Wow. Yeah. Sure see with the drinks in their hand and yeah, like was laying on the bed with his hand in his pants. It wasn't like, super revealing, but it was just like, why, bro? Why would you even put yourself there? But he also married his cousin, which is a joke in the movie, too. So, yeah. fucking, like, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> Guys, but I did. Did you like it better than the first, or do you do you think that it's on par with the first at all? I don't think so. It's not as great as the first. It's definitely something to. That I think he just wanted to make a movie, and he knows how people react to Borat. Yeah. So it's like, how do I get through the American population? Let me make Borat real quick. You know, go back to Kazakhstan. Did you guys see the Showtime show that he had? No. Mm. Let me find out what that because I always butcher the name. I always butcher the name. Who is America? There you go. Who is America? Oh, that was excellent. That was excellent. That was really good. That one, like Brandon said, like they go so hard for their beliefs. There's a part where they're trying to find um, people in the Taliban and they dress up as they they put actual like anatomically correct vaginas on as strap ons as like protective gear. And they actually put this on and they start rubbing each other. And they're just and one of them goes like this. He goes, wow, it's actually pretty moist. 
And this is what? to fight terrorists. This is like he convinced them. So to me, this was way better than Borat, um, the mm. one that I'm talking about. This is America. So Borat is good. It's good. And he, Harry's right. He did it for the the, the political season. He he did it to, to to get relevance within Borat. But if it was just based on making a quality sequel, he missed by far. Like it's not even close to the first Borat. Mm. It's not even as good as Ali G. It's not even as good as Bruno. It's probably one of the worst movies he's ever come out with, to be honest. But that wasn't the point. I'd rather watch for. Borat 2 again than watch Bruno again. What? Oh, yeah. Br- oh homophobic Harry? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, it was, no, I, I, I just no, I wasn't no. comfortable watching the movie, you know, personally. <clears throat> I even like The Dictator better, but it's all good. It's all good. We all have our personal taste. So... Um, I want, I want, I would love uh, Brandon's opinion on this actually. So we talked about it last week. I'm a fan of Quibi. Quibi's gone. Actually, and that, that's why I want to ask you. I want to know if, if where do you think. So my bad. Your thoughts on the folding of Quibi, and also where do you think that this content is going to go? Because it's not just going to like disappear. You know what I'm saying? There's going to there was actually quality Emmy nominated and Emmy winning content on there. So I want to ask you where do you think. Who do you think would want to purchase this content or license? So yeah, I, I would say the thoughts on Quibi. I think that um, I, I just I it, something like that comes down to if you believe or if you don't, right? To me, knowing how often I use YouTube, not just for it's you know music or whatever, but you know for anything, I use YouTube for interviews, for podcasts, for whatever, like. At the end of the day, content is content, and I think that the creators of Quibi and the funders of Quibi are still in that sort of old mentality of the higher the grade of quality, the more people will be interested to watch. And while that is probably true for us, meaning like people who grew up on like Jerry Bruckheimer, fucking great, you know, big films and all that, the the Gen Zers and, and even lower who are coming up now, the quality doesn't matter, right? Like someone's lie, so like true. fucking- so true. To, you know, someone Takashi gets out of prison and says, "I'm going live at 3 p.m." and you're going to get more views <laughs> on that than yeah. you get on like the freaking, you know, if Kerry Washington was to come out and say, "I'm doing a show with Oprah coming on ABC," this like you'll probably get more viewers on his Instagram live with with him sitting you in the lab, You are no not lying at all, right? And so you have to know in within that scope that what you make is really just about the context of what you make, not like the. The, how great the content was produced or whatever. So I think with Quibi, they put all of their... And I'm not saying that they don't have quality context, too, because I heard that the, the content was really good. It was good. But they I went all in on that, and I just don't feel like the, the people who they were trying to hit, the kind of people who will watch, pay to watch something for 10 minutes, they don't care to pay, generally, to watch it for 10 minutes. That yeah. makes sense. So I didn't see it working for them. On top of it, when they rolled out, because I know, like you said, I work in marketing and mm-hmm. we had to learn like all these different brands, value propositions. Their big thing was commute, and they were really, really heavy to yep. focus on. And nobody commuting. And how, yeah, no one's commuting this year. So you launch in April or May or whatever it was. No one's commuting. It's like a recipe for disaster, basically. Yeah, it was just really bad timing. And you're right; they put all their eggs in one basket, and it all crushed, unfortunately. Right. Um, again, I enjoyed it, um, and they, and they were also going through a lawsuit. Not to say that Meg Whitman and a bunch of the TV execs couldn't battle that; they definitely could. But right. um, it was just a recipe for disaster, man. Uh, I think the model, and I said this on last episode, I think the model of it is going to succeed. I think, um, as far as quick, uh, oh. And to be honest, it wasn't even that impressive. What they were take if you take 90 minutes, which is considered a motion picture, 30 minutes is considered an episode or 
episodic. But if you take something that all they were doing was breaking it down.
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like Free uh, Ray Sean starring uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was 90 minutes, and it was 15 episodes, six minutes each. That's all they mm-hmm. did. That's basically what they did. Like I And I've worked with editors, so have you. Um, it, obviously, it's a hard job. It's more tedious than hard. But, um, yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a full-time editor, that doesn't take that long. You just go like this, like, take this 90-minute movie and turn it into an episode. And we talked about this with Quentin Tarantino. They're doing that with his films because they're insanely long. And so uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood <clears throat> and Hateful Eight are being made into uh, – actually, I think already one of them is. Hateful Eight is actually an episode form on Netflix. And oh, so, wow. And they're doing that with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And they want to do that with some of Stephen King's movies. So Quibi – not to say that Quibi's like the first one to think about this, breaking down your content. And many people have done this. Many mm-hmm. people have done this. Even with content creators out there on YouTube, sometimes they take footage from an episode and they just break it down and put it on different platforms to get syndicated and shit like that. So that's not something new. But I meant as far as the attention span and taking something and just rebranding it and repurposing it, I think that I think the television industry, the streaming, OTT, I definitely think they're going to go in that direction. I think so, too. I think the, probably the biggest reason why Quibi failed and why some of these other ones will probably fail, too, is you have to remember, or everyone has to remember, like, the reason why these things became popular was because of control, right? It was like, <clears throat> I'm in control of when and where I watch whatever I want to watch. But what comes with that control is I also can watch what I want to watch, which when Netflix was, like, the main person doing it, they had almost everything. And even Hulu, when it launched, it was more about next day viewing, right? So if I yeah. missed This Is Us, I missed, you know, fucking whatever other... And now with the live TV, you don't even have that anymore either. Right. Yeah, DVR. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. So the point being, it used to be a lot more consolidated, right? So if I pay $15 for Netflix or I pay $12 for, or $5 for Hulu, whatever the, the, the standard one is, I'm at least... Instead of cable, I'm getting most of what I would have seen on cable in one or two places for a lot less. What's happening now is that because that system worked, the people who make the content, NBC Universal, HBO, Quibi, whoever, whoever, they're all, you know, uh, C- uh, CBS, they're all saying, I want to take my content from these other distributors and make my own version of Netflix. Yeah. And now what's happened is in order to catch everything that you would have caught before, you have to buy six or seven of these things, which when the prices add up, you're back up to $150. Yeah, you're not you're cutting cable anymore. Yeah. Exactly. You're not, you're not cutting cable. So I say that to say now it's going to become who already has the brand trust with people to say, I'm going to keep my Netflix, even if the shit that I see on Quibi looks cooler than the shit that I'm watching on Netflix. I would rather roll the dice and say there's, there's a better chance that Netflix is going to have or rather – I trust Netflix based on 10 years that they'll have something I want to watch more than me rolling the dice on this Quibi thing. And maybe I like it. Maybe I don't. But either way, I'm paying however much it costs a month. I forget how much. It was pretty low. And they had like a three-month trial as well. Okay. You know, pretty, pretty, pretty right. standard. Pretty standard. So the more segmented it gets, I think the more some of these places are going to are gonna fail. Right? And, yeah. not, and just to jump into one, one more thing, I'll say I'm the, you know, I think you know I'm like a super MCU guy. Like I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Stuff. Which is hilarious. Right. We didn't get into it all. You know, I got <laughs> yeah. a whole shelf of dead Oh, so then you already know. I've been gotten, <laughs> I didn't know. I, yeah, of course I, I didn't know. I spent, I, spent over <laughs> I spent over $100 seeing Endgame five times, my record five times. A you know, I thought you were about to say the MCU you spent over $100. I was like, that is not no. accurate. But then you got a movie. I'm like, holy shit. Thousands. But, oh, is that a personal ticket or is that uh, like your family? 
No, this is me going. I oh, shit. Any time. I've never went with my family. <laughs> <laughs> this is me going. Right, like they should know. Like, ain't no dinner thing. Right, right. But I bring up the MCU to say, if like just like you said, me working in the industry, to mm-hmm. see what's being done with regards to the Spider-Man IP is incredible. And it's a testament to eventually the pendulum is going to swing the other way. People get so greedy that when the numbers don't come in the way that they thought they would, you'll see people collaborating again. Cause Sony was so like gung ho about. Yeah. Morbius looks terrible. Right. And it was like, shit, you know, they, they lose and Venom made a billion. So they're going to, they, they feel actually Venom actually made it. It it was a bad movie, but I'm sure Tom Hardy helped with that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm saying this to say it's before that Andrew Garfield, the second one came out that like did terrible. Sony felt strong and like, we're going to have Spidey for the next 50 years. You're never getting it back, uh, Disney, because this is us. We, you know, we put up numbers. But once that failed, the conversations that they were able to now have, oh, Kevin Feige, let's sit down. Let's, <laughs> that they're having oh, love. Let's bring Brad. Uh, they're Andrew Garfield and um, they're coming soon. They're coming back. Spidey 3, exactly. Yeah. With Spider-Verse. The exactly. Spider-Verse is opening up with that was a great electro. Idea. That was a great electro. Exactly. Fox killed it. They're bringing him back. As Electro. They should. Right. They he's, should. He was great. He was fantastic. Uh, I don't think he's going to be the blue version. I think they're going to make him more traditional oh, now. Don't get out of here. I didn't know they that. They got to change that face mask. Though. Yeah, it was bad. that was terrible. Actually, I think I did think that was terrible when I first saw it. But, I, but his acting was so good that I, yeah, just, was I good forgot actor. about it. When I heard um, that he was going to be uh, Electro, I just pictured him in the, the original the yellow outfit. things. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, no, him. You can put him in that. And then when I saw his actual outfit where he's the blue, I was like, all right, I can get behind no, he was looking. Like, he was looking like Mastermind, that Will Ferrell. Yeah, right? Looking like a Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, Manhattan, ah, one more version of Mr. Manhattan. Um, Manhattan. But I I only brought it up to say that if a company as big as Sony Mm -hmm. came to their knees to the point where they needed to sit at the table with Disney to to, to negotiate their most valued IP, which is the Spider-Man franchise, anybody else could fail. That's my point. Because they say that too. Right, right. Didn't they sell Sega off? Yeah. Well, now Sega is mostly video games. Right, but oh, I mean, no, no. Like, Sony didn't own Sega, but I get what you're saying. You, you're talking yeah. about the oh, yes, okay, yes, exactly. Yeah. Publishing, exactly. Okay. So they, they sold their publishing to Nintendo. Oh, exactly. So there you go, right? So I think that's what's going to happen with a lot of these people who are saying, I own my own content. Because look at this NBC one, Peacock, that they started. It's not doing that well, but NBC is committed to it, so it doesn't matter. Right, but the most popular NBC shows ever, right? Friends, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, The Cosby Show, Seinfeld. None of these are on there. Because I did not know that other friends is going to be on there, but I didn't know about right. Cosby. But they're going to—they're breaking the bank to get friends on there because they don't own Friends, they don't own the Cosby Show, they don't own. Uh, yeah, to break that hundred million dollar deal with Netflix. Yeah, right. exactly. So you know, we'll, we'll we'll see a lot of swinging back and forth. I think. I agree. I agree. And for those that don't know the history of Sony and Marvel, real quick, we've talked about it on a couple episodes. Um, I forgot who the executive was at the time, but when they were divesting Marvel, when they were going when they were going through bankruptcy. Marvel, the comic books. Just so yes, people. Marvel, yeah. the comic books, not the studio. But they were not, because it was going bankrupt, they were not able to fund projects in the movie studio. So that was a big part of it. So they were getting off their movie licensing, the IP, like Brandon was saying, for, I mean, Dell, sorry, my bad. Well, it's all good, it's all good. <laughs> um, Del, like Dell said, the IP. So when Mar- to make a long story short, Sony was like, yo, they, they're having a fire sale over at Marvel Comics. <laughs> for, the movie, for the movie licensing, they're having a fire sale. Go get Spider Man. 
So that movie executive, I forgot who his name was, went to go get Spider-Man and only Spider-Man. Marvel was like, yo, you don't want Iron Man. I'll throw in Hawkeye for you. I'll throw in this motherfucker. You can get the whole shit. You can get the whole catalog. Why are you? All terrible cards, by the way. I yeah, exactly. People, exactly. young Build people, the players. these are fucking bench, deep bench yeah, players. Yeah, like, yeah. Iron, if, if the year is 1997 and, and like to your point, I'm at that fire sale, I'm not looking fucking twice at Iron Man. That's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, like, we're not saying that he made the wrong choice. Right, obviously, exactly. retrospectively, right. he did, obviously. But, like, so this guy, this guy said, he said, I mean, Marvel was like, take it all. Take it all. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, let me go back to let me go back to Sony and see what's up. So he goes back to Sony, and Sony's like, yo, what did I tell you? What did, what did I say? Mm-hmm. What did I fucking say? Go get Spider-Man. I don't give a fuck about Logan. I don't give a fuck about any of these Magneto. Go suck a dick. Go get fucking <laughs> Peter Parker. So he went back to Marvel and he was like, "We only want, we only want Sony. We only want Peter Parker. We only want Spider Man. That's it. Well, anything licensing that has to do with the universe of Spider Man, that's all we want." And then 19, 20 uh, movies later, nineteen billion dollars later, and it's not like Sony's hurting for money, but damn. Yeah, but they can't do it as well as nope. Neither did Fox. Games. Fox had um, Same X-Men, thing. And X-Men Fantastic Four, and that yep. that failed. I do have to say. Fantastic Four 2 was definitely better than the Fantastic Four remake. And the second one sucked. So, like, Silver Surfer. The Silver yeah, that movie was Oh, that horrible. was pretty good, actually. You're right. That is underrated, that one. I would definitely watch that over the newest. <laughs> oh, I, I've never even seen it. 100%. You are I, missing out on nothing. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan was good. The movie no. was bad. Oh. Oh. I actually never saw that one. I never saw the Michael B. Jordan one. I, and I, I, I refuse. Jordan. I refuse. I refuse <laughs> to see know. a bad film of Michael terrible. B. Jordan. Yeah. Like, that's terrible. That looks terrible. It does look terrible. And what is your name? Uh, Jessica Alba should, like, uh, contact. Oh, no, it wasn't even her. It was, uh, it was her. It was the other. It was Mara. No, it was Ruby Mara's mom. It was Ruby Mara's sister. Oh, no, I'm saying in um, I, uh, Fantastic Four 2, she wore blue contacts. Oh, yes. made her lighter. Oh, my bad. I was, her, I was talking about the Michael B. Jordan one. That was, what's her name? Mara. Uh from House of Cards, the one I got yes. thrown in the soundtrack. Yes, yes, that's, uh, <laughs> that's one of the giant owners' uh, daughters. Oh, really? Yeah, and Ruby oh, wow. Mara is actually she's yeah, having another that. celebrity's baby right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, Kate Mara is her name. Kate Mara, they're oh. both hot. Yeah, they're both hot. And I forgot uh, who is Rooney Mara um, engaged to, Harry? Real quick. What's her name? Rooney Mara. They're both uh, the giant owner, uh, John Mara and Steve Tisch. Oh. Uh, her name Rooney Mara. What about her? She has a baby with somebody. She just had a baby with somebody. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. There you go. Oh wow! Right, I know. I just learned that. family, <laughs> right? <laughs> For real, I know. And those are like big power families too, because River Phoenix right? and all that. Yeah, those are. That's a huge lineage right there. That baby's gonna be super famous. So before we move on, well, oh yeah, the Coppola kids, right? Oh yeah, the Coppola kids. Yeah, Sophia Coppola just uh, took uh, rights of a movie. She just finished a uh, a movie for someone. I forgot what it was, but we'll we'll review it next week. So uh, real quick, and I actually this was totally disrespectful. My bad. Uh, yeah, because uh, Dell and Harry are into the MCU a lot. I've, I'm I'm just a spectator. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I enjoy. I, we've talked about this before. Uh, I enjoyed thoroughly. I love comic books. It's a huge part of my growing up. So of course I was going to be interested in the way that they portray them in the cinema world. Um, not all of them were good to me. I saw all of them. I saw all of them. Uh, we ranked them. Uh, Dell has ranked them online, and so yeah, so I'm going to ask him now his top five. And I'm also going to touch on a show that I watched recently. 
because, and I've said this before, I am super fatigued by superheroes. So it mm. takes, it takes a lot for me. I'm not, I'm not the average, well, you guys are not the average fan in all audiences, but I consider you an average fan, not a casual fan, but you know what I'm saying? Excitement, as far as excitement, you know what I'm saying? The excitement, if the excitement is, is at a 12, that's what I consider an average fan. Okay. Like that with investing in the ticket, that's what I mean. So I am a spectator. I consider myself, even though I wasn't a casual fan of the comics, I was deeply invested. I am a casual fan when it comes to the movies, when it comes to the films. So, um, so when I so my point is, I did not watch the Umbrella Academy on purpose, and I did not watch the Boys on purpose. I actually just finished the Boys recently. I just the Boys was made for what you just said, by the way, which makes it so great. Literally, it's made for the person who fucking either hates comic book movies altogether or (laughs) is fatigued. So it's like I was gonna recommend that when you finished talking. Not everybody does. Everybody does. (laughs) So I, I didn't watch Umbrella Academy yet. Uh, so I want to hear your thoughts other than your description of the show. Uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I would not put it in my top 10 shows of like 2019. Actually, mm-hmm. if I did, to be honest, if I did watch it live in real time, like you guys did, uh, I might've put it in my top 10. There would have been a better shot this year, 2020. I do not put it in my top 10. I, I would, I would put it in top 15. I definitely would. I haven't seen umbrella Academy yet. But the reason why I say this, and it's not a similar movie, it's only because it's comic book derived and it's ensemble and it's like you know uh, an, an alternate Marvel DC, even though they're they're legitimate comics, um, legitimate graphic novels. Um, what was I about to say? Watchmen. The Watchmen last year was like I don't even like like we've talked about before. This is a well known fact. I kind of stay away from comic book source material. Watchmen was my favorite show last year. Watchmen, Watchmen was is dope. The most quality show, in my opinion. And I and I watch an array of shows, just like you guys do. I watch The Crown. I watch all types of shit. Mm-hmm. Even Downtown Abbey. Everybody makes fun of me for that type of shit. My wife loves that. She went to the movie. It's a good show. Your wife has taste. We already, <laughs> <laughs> we already do that. But, um, yeah, so... When people say, they when I when I tell them yeah I don't like comic book stuff and they go well what was your favorite show last year Watchmen they're like <laughs> no I like quality I, I, and I don't care where it comes from even if there's a genre yeah. that I don't enjoy right or that like I'm, it's not that I don't enjoy if it's a if it's a genre that I just feel really fatigued from so I but my point is I like the boys so tell me more why you like the boys and then to to wrap this up Brandon um Dell tell me. Your top five, even though I kind of know them already, tell me your top five Marvel movies and Harry too. Uh, I'll try to make it quick because I know we're uh, short on yeah, time. Yeah, so, my bad. No, no, no. I'm trying to respect you all's time, but uh, the boys, I think, especially, uh, I like, I love both seasons. I think season two turned up even more. I think the most, there's a couple of things about the boys. It's one, it's cross seeing, it's seeing like the cursing and shit like that in the world of comic book. It's just such a it's such a mind fuck that you kind of, and it's not like cursing, like when someone's like, oh, like Deadpool, yeah, well, that's, I think the boys is the most realistic depiction of what superheroes and cap in, in a realistic world, but in a capitalistic world would be. And that to me is what makes it so dope. And I think Superman. Yeah, exactly. I think Homelander is like, that's a cool name, by the way, Homelander. Right. He's like, he like epitomizes white privilege and like in a way that, I feel like it would if if a blonde six two white guy woke up with the best power in the world. I almost feel like we're lucky in the show because he is capitalistic. Because if he wasn't, he could just say fuck it and kill everybody. Yeah. Like he still works for a check. 
which is like, yeah. <laughs> that, when I saw so Stormfront was a Nazi, I was like, oh, that's perfect for Homelander. It was like, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but it was a little scene where he got like questioned, where he's just like all this white genocide. And he's like, what? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but also, what I, I love about the show is like, it's like the the subtle stuff. It's not always like the over the top stuff. It's like his racism is not like. I'm going to go to like Harlem and burn it down or whatever. It's like when he's in the room with like a train or someone and like, <laughs> you can just tell he's like, he doesn't really fuck with you. Like he's like, you're lucky to be here kind of thing. His sexism is the same way, right? Like the deep was like overtly sexist and like tried to rape, um, uh, what's the girl? I didn't, I didn't like that yeah. either. Which I didn't was like in the how watch, they, I found out. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was. She played Vince Vaughn's daughter in The Watch. Wow. Man. I'm like, yo, she looks familiar. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that because I, I looked at the credits. I looked at the credits. Oh, got you. But, like, the, the the covertness of the isms, like, in the show, mm-hmm. I think, to me, that's what makes it dope because that's the way, in my experience, it happens more often. It's not yeah. always, like, someone's running down the street chasing you or whatever the case. So that's that. MCU real quick, uh, and I was going to make the distinction, because it's not Marvel, for me, it's not top five Marvel movies, because there's a ton of shit out there. Oh, top five oh, Marvel, oh, we got a treat. We got a Marvel real deep. cinematic universe. That's right. Movie, right? That's I'm right. under the Kevin Feige. Oh, 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 so we're taking away Fox. We're ta- no, yeah. none of that. None of that. Now, there's some gems. like No Sony, no Columbia. Not, 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 to, not to belabor. Wait, they're now been bought by, oh, they've all been bought by Disney. Except yeah, yeah Disney owns them all anyway. Yeah, now. that's yeah. like streaming. But but what I mean is there are some gems. Like, how do I put it? I'm trying to make this the easiest way possible. If you ask me my top five, everything included, meaning every comic book movie ever made, there are some that, that don't fall in the MCU that, to me, are in the top five, right? Like, yeah. dark, the Dark Knight is obviously top five, if not number one, right? To me, the Spider-Man, uh, the one that just came out, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, that so that's, that's one of the best so comic good. movies ever made, that right? So, so I, that's, that's in there. Logan to me is another one of the best combo movies I've ever seen put into there. So I so probably yeah, the post Malone and Sway Lee. That's my chain. <laughs> <laughs> probably those three to me hold up the strongest, like outside of the. MCU. I agree. We're agreeing. And, and I will give credit to. I think the the first Spider Man ever, the two thousand two. I think that one gets. Damn, it doesn't totally get the right. That's a good one. The second well, one. Sam Raimi is one of the best directors ever. Like you can't yeah. like. People love the second one more. The second one has the like, I feel like has a better story arc than. Uh, the I, I think it was so great. Too. Yeah. was great, and Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi's actually coming back because Kevin yeah. Feige actually worked under Sam Raimi early in his career. Oh, bringing him back now to direct. He's been around project. for a long time, Feige. Like, yeah. know, like, everybody just thinks that he popped up now. Like, no, no, he's been. He's yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so top five. So number one, mm-hmm. um, the number one best MCU movie. It's ah, it's tough because the the movie that I enjoyed the most. <laughs> I I realize I'm self aware that I enjoy it because of the build up and the knowledge I had. Like if I never saw any of this shit, and I just press play on that movie. It's not the best made movie, but the best movie, knowing everything all in to me is Endgame. Like Endgame gave okay. me the feels, it gave me the chills, it did what it, it. I've never seen in my life of being a movie buff as you all. There's never been this much pressure to make a film and it live up to what it's supposed to be, I think, ever, period, like, ever, like, ever in the history of movies being made. Meaning, I don't mean, like, oh, it's the best movie, like, it's The Godfather. I mean, the expectations put on them to stick the landing, you've never seen that in films before be that high, and then the directors and the writers meet the bar where it's supposed to be. Like, maybe, no, not even, because the last, uh, the Return of the Jedi didn't do what people wanted it to do, right? Like, Empire Strikes Back met the bar, to be the Star Wars. Anyway, I'm getting into a whole nother. No, no, no. We, we, we listen. <laughs> Endgame, I would say number one. 
stronghold number two and could easily be number one depending on the day is the Winter Soldier. Like the Winter Soldier. We know, we know you're a Captain America fan. We I know that. Lo- I love Winter Soldier. Fucking love it. They could come out with a fucking Equinox Soldier. You know I'm you know what it is? Mind you, because he's like Homelander. He's supposed to be like this boring ass he is. person. They made To me, I give the writers credit because they made him a very like likable kind of person. But I get into the, the cinematography of it. The way that hits land in those movies when the Russo brothers do them, like I'm talking about like a guy punches a guy, kicks a they guy. They did a very good job. They, it's done really, really well. I've probably only seen it done as good in like if you guys watch Daredevil on Netflix. They, the same thing. The hallway like, scenes? Yeah, the hallways, they're incredibly shot. Like, but I heard that's the best one, though. I heard that's the oh, best Marvel far, show. Yeah, far, the one from Netflix, far. yeah. Far, like, by far. But I, said, I heard they're actually thinking about continuing. I heard that. I think they, they fucking should. They have Disney to. Disney Plus, have let's to. go. The right, exactly. Vincent Anaprio killed it. <laughs> but I say Endgame, mm-hmm. Civil War. I mean, um, Endgame, Winter Soldier. Okay, so we got Winter, yeah, Endgame, Winter Soldier. Endgame, Winter Soldier. I'd probably say Civil War after that. I'd probably say Iron Man 1 after that. Still holds strong after 12 years. Such, such a oh, well-done film. That's and then... Uh, 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 it gets a little shaky for me. I, I have to put Infinity War. I have to say Infinity War in the final. Okay. Infinity War will probably be a little higher now that I think about it. But And then the, net, the rest of them cascade pretty well. It's only what's more important is the bottom three. It's like the worst films because there's like two or three. Oh, that's a good question. Before we ask Harry, what is your what's the worst MCU? Oh, Thor, film? Thor, Thor one and two like back to back are terrible. Right? That is my that's my that's my uh, one yeah. also. Dark World, I, Dark World is my worst. Yeah, player. terrible. Iron Man three is terrible to me. Like I think it's a horribly made movie. Iron I think Man it's 3. shit. Like it's I terrible. Iron Man, ooh, damn! Iron Man three is in the middle for me. Keep going. Oh, oh, terrible shit. down there. And then. Um, that's it. Everything else I have, I have a pretty good, a pretty good appreciation for. Like everything has its place. I love Black Panther. It's not like my number. Everyone expected me that to be like my number one. It's not. We're not going to tokenize you. Yeah. <laughs> like, the last twenty minutes, they like, and I love Ryan Coogler, but the CGI shit, the video game fight scene at the end, like that dropped the movie like hard. I enjoyed that, but that. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, Guardians one. That's probably like right there, like number six. Like it, Guardians nice. one is such a well made. But anyway, yeah, that's my. You almost hurt my heart. Almost leaving that. <laughs> Go ahead, Harry. You tell yeah. us yours. Yeah, and my, definitely, Endgame is definitely on number one. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah, we we got, got, over ten years of like build up this fight. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you start. You start with Iron Man, and then you end with Iron Man. It's like hmm. okay. So you Iron Man definitely first. number two. Iron Man hmm. definitely number two. Right, right. The first Iron, Iron Man one. Yeah, that started it all. List over here, good. Um, Thor three. I love that one. Mm. Ragnarok. That Ragnarok, was like, yeah. We had him in space because that's exactly what he is. The that's number is. one for a lot of people, by the way. A lot of people love oh, it. Really? Mm. I know. I think that's definitely number three. Uh, and then the, the uh, what was the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I love that okay. one. I thought Tom Holland was great. Go Queens. Go and Queens. My number, yeah. They even, so in um, which one? Civil War. Infinity War. No, Infinity War. You actually see the buildings in which I live. That's right. Oh, that's right. Wow. When they come in, when it says Queens, those buildings in the too. background, like, yo. I live there. That's my apartment right, building right, right there. Keep going. Keep going. Number here. five. What would be my number five? I, no one gives this movie enough credit. Hulk. I definitely love that movie. The first one, right? Yeah. I, the first one was phenomenal. It was like, good. Ed Norton to me, that's the best great. script. To me, yeah. it is the best script that they ever came out with. And, and a tribute to Jim Norton, even though they they it, on, behind the and, scenes they say he butchered the shit out of it. No, I felt Ed Norton's good, and I feel like, but I feel like Mark Ruffalo fits in the universe better on how they. Yeah. Work. Than Ed Norton would have went. He hmm. he should have been his own standalone Hulk movie, and they could have done wonderful. 
Like if they, yeah, I wouldn't have bought it. I, I like Jim Norton as the, the Hulk better. But I get what you're saying. The first as far one? as market wise, wait, wait. Jim Norton. Everybody's not selling. Eric Bana was the first one. Oh, Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Ed Norton. I didn't mean to say Jim. My bad. Sorry. Not I'm Jim. like, who's Jim? I know. What a, <laughs> I know. Dumbass. No, Ed Norton uh, took over that script. I forgot who was the original screenplay for that, but he didn't like it, and he basically rewrote the whole script. And Marvel had a bad taste in their mouth from that. And they were just like, they didn't want to work with them again after that. Even though I'm not the only one who thinks this, even though the MCU has done very well and they don't need a good script, to me that was the, the real, that, that was the most authentic Hollywood script they ever had. As far as the MCU, we talked about yeah. Dark Knight, Christopher yeah. Nolan, obviously Christopher Nolan. I don't agree with that narrative, but I That's okay. That's okay. Disagree. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think there's, I think there's, no, go ahead. Think, Which one has so a better much. script than Hulk? I think that the Winter Soldier, like, okay. easily, gotcha. like, you know, gotcha. with the Bucky. Who, who directed Soldier. that? I forgot. That was Russo also? The Russo Brothers, yeah, gotcha. written gotcha. by, um, um, uh, what's the name? Mark and Mike, whatever. Russo, but, yeah. Yeah, 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 I like that one a lot. Nice. Um, All right, so we got but yeah. So do you have, like, an outlier, Harry, someone that could interchange a five before I tell mine? Um, no, that's basically my five, yeah. Right, cool. Oh, honorable mentions? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it is, motherfucker. Yo, you're no, definitely... <laughs> No, definitely, not a bunch, um, just one. Just one that can replace five. War is definitely up there. Okay, gotcha. All right, so I'm going to say mine real quick um, before we move on so we can interview brand, uh, the, uh, the brand of Dell. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, well, I, I edit this thing anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my number one, actually, I'm going to tokenize, I think, Black Panther. And to me, when I just said the Hulk. Great of course, film. Great yeah, film. great film. And to me. It was a great film. It wasn't even like I could, if I knew nothing about Marvel, I would know, I, I wouldn't even associate it with it, to be honest. If I knew nothing about Black Panther, the character, the origin, nothing, even though I really enjoy Black Panther, Black Panther's a great, and I even was, I was even pining for Wesley Snipes, the years that they were pegging him to be that. And he even, he even gave kudos to the movie. He thinks that like it did way better than he could have done. And I love Wesley Snipes. So right. to me, I'm a Guardians of the Galaxy fan um, as a, I, for some reason, I can't separate the film buff. The, the film, I wouldn't even say film buff, film snob about myself. <laughs> so Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm a big sucker for soundtracks. And to me, if you took the soundtrack out of Guardians of the Galaxy, it wouldn't be a trash movie, but it wouldn't be a good movie. Hmm. And so even though, so that that's kind of like a weak case why I have it at number two, but it's my personal list. <laughs> so Guardians of the Galaxy is number two for me. Infinity War is number three for me. To me. Incredible film. As far as, so the last movie that I saw where they put a lot of characters together and it was seamless and it was actually like a good story and a good narrative, because we've seen that many times, Street Fighter, we've seen it a bunch of times. Mortal Kombat was the last time I saw them do a good job of that. Not Annihilation, the first one. And not to say that that was like the most quality movie, blah, blah, blah. But as far as meshing all the stories together, it took over 20 years for the Russo brothers to accomplish that. And I felt like they did a good job with that with uh, Infinity War. I actually saw that twice in the Philippines with Mark. There we go. There we <laughs> and go. We, and we had to we had to stand up twice to um to put our hand over our heart to to do the allegiance to Duterte. Wow! In the movie yes. theater. Yes, in the movie theater twice. At, at at the credits, they were like, "Make sure you stand up for Rodrigo, President." I'm like, <laughs> anyway. So um, and I wasn't gonna fuck with them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, uh. Personally, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. It took me a second run through to really enjoy the second one with Kurt Russell, but I really did, and I enjoyed the soundtrack as well. I even liked the soundtrack for the second one even better than the first. Hmm. And then I guess I'm a homer. 
I love Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> All great films. Big, yeah, no, and I and I love um I forgot my man's name from uh Freaks and Geeks. He's one of the writers of it, so I'm a big fan of him. They're also right uh they're also writing their duo. I forgot their names, Harry, if you want to find that, that would be great. Um they're a duo and they're writing Flashpoint. They're writing the new uh Flash movie. So that's gonna be cool. And I love Ezra Miller, so that's I, I hope that's gonna be good. And my outlier Actually, it could be number five. It really, it truly is an outlier. It truly is an honorable mention. It should be number five, actually. But because I'm from Queens, it's not. <laughs> so Thor Ragnarok. And to be honest, it could be anywhere in the top five for me. That actually saved the franchise for me and a lot of other people. Because the first two, I was just like, I'm never watching a Thor movie ever again. These are so trash. They're trash. They're super They're trash. They're so trash. And actually, Marvel, the executives at Marvel and Disney and all them, they'll even to Fox, they'll even tell you that it almost went they almost canceled the whole thing because of how bad that movie was. They almost said, fuck the MCU and all the planning of Kevin Feige. They almost said, fuck it because of that. Just like they did with uh, Johnny Depp and the whole, because they were going to copy off of that uh, uh, universe with Universal. You knew about that, Brandon? Yeah, no, the, the Dark yeah. Universe, terrible. The Mummy yep. was yep. a horrible. Yep. Oh, oh, they, they, tried, they pulled the Spider-Man. They put too many things in at once to focus on. Yep. Like and it was just had, a bad movie. It was like, yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, they should have, what they should have done was set it up for a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That was a that decent movie, actually. That was a decent movie. And the comic is great. Comic is great. Okay, so now we're going to move on. Now we're going to get into the interview portion. Well, I'm going to get a little high. What the fuck did I say? Okay, so we got Dell. Dell again. He is a ad, he's in advertising. He's a music mogul. He is. Uh, what else does he do? Oh, he he um, is an activist. When I was on campus at DePaul University in Indiana, I didn't know that many people that did protest on campus. Actually, we were in a very white, very white supremacist area, so it was probably very dangerous. So to be honest, kudos to him. He risked his life for that shit, pretty much. So he's going to give you the – I'm going to introduce these things, but he's going to be the one to actually flesh them out and tell us why we're proud of all the things that he's done. So here we go. So like I said, and he's also had a baby recently. He's gotten married over the first few years. Again, we have a lot of colleagues in common. Um, he's around a lot of successful people. He's on the board of trustees at our university, our alumni. He's also on the board for Suit Dreams. It's not really active right now. But when I was trying to be a part of it as well, um, basically putting uh, suits on underprivileged uh, men, men that wouldn't be able to see those opportunities so they can look fresh for their interviews. And, um, yeah, if there's anything I'm missing out, please do tell me. Tell me more about the the brand of Dell, how it has came to be. Uh, yeah, man, Dell, just a, 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 you know, kid from Harlem who is really a proud um, New Yorker, Harlemite, who who grew up on hip-hop music in the 90s, who's a big fan of just the culture in general, even music today, obviously, but just in my own musical path, someone who along the way was disheartened. I don't know if when we spoke earlier, that part was recorded, so because I, I don't want to repeat all the shit I said. No, go ahead, go ahead. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But no, I'm talking about the journey. That part is... Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we recorded that. Okay, cool. Great. So, <laughs> so anyway, from to, to go off what I was saying earlier, just the, now, I think at an older age, finding myself getting back to music uh, and making it even more meaningful than it's been in the past uh, for me has been super exciting. And this is the first time, I will say, this year where I've let my like nine to five career mesh with my, uh, you know, musical passion and just let the two sort of mold and not feel like I have to hide one from the other or balance one for the other and stuff like that. So 
and you're in a perfect age for that. Um, even when I was content manager at the news outlet, I felt the same way. Like when I accept jobs, I like to accept jobs where I can learn towards what I'm doing for my passion projects. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. That's actually a privileged spot to be in, mm-hmm. but that's not for everybody in America mm-hmm. or even the world. But we've earned it. <laughs> right. we, we're, we're trying to get where we need to be, so I totally agree with that. I'm so, And I'm so happy you got back in the music, Brandon. I'm so Not that you're not great at tech marketing. You're amazing at tech marketing, but I'm so happy that you're merging them together and you're continuing that because when I saw that you were promoting the album, I was like, thank goodness. I'm like, yeah, no, it's just hard because, you know, if you I know if, if ever you want wanted to do something since you were 12, 13 years old, right? And then you kind of get close, then it doesn't work. Then you get close, and it doesn't. And when I say doesn't work, I mean in the sense of if your dream was always to get signed to be a major artist, et cetera, like everyone else can say, yeah, but it's just dope that we get to hear it. And it's like you have to, I think, have a certain level of maturity to come to that realization. I think earlier on when you're all cylinders go trying to get a record deal, trying to, you know, to be on, if you will, all that other shit that people are talking about doesn't matter. You're like, either I make it, either I made it or I didn't. Right. And so, and and the other piece I'll add to that is the thing with hip hop in general, or specifically, I should say that makes it different from all the other kind of passions, be it, let's say someone is a filmmaker or let's say someone is a poet, or let's say someone is a dancer, or let's say someone runs, you know, marathons in their spare time or someone plays intramural sports, all of those things, even within music, someone like is in a band, even with any of those things that they come into their nine to five job and they say, Hey, I'm in a band or, Hey, I'm, I also do marathon or, Hey, I do whatever. There's a certain level of respect that comes with that, that people say, Oh, that's cool. That's, that's a nice, you know, passion that you have. But hip hop rapping has become so diluted that it's not even a, a, um, don't, uh, don't pass me a mixtape time. Right. right it's, exactly. That comes before <laughs> anyone knows what kind of music you do, what kind of like rap a Jehovah's witness over here. Like. Yeah. It's, it's really seen as like a, Oh no, another, another rapper, everybody raps kind of thing. So, it kind of takes the ability away for you to enjoy it as a passion side project yeah. because people are looking at you like, why are you doing that? Why aren't you too old to be doing it? Right. Whereas if I were in a band and I play guitar, you could be 50 and people would be like, Oh, that's dope. You play guitar. Like that's what's up. Or if you play in the mural, you know, I, I play at the YMCA and in the mural league, people are like, Oh, that's dope. You know, getting some exercise. Yeah. That's what's up. Like hip hop has such a, a, a finite window Totally agree with you, by the way. And so that's kind of what disheartened me. And I kind of gave the explanation to answer when you yeah. said, like, you know, why I didn't do it for so long, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah, no, that was an internal question, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. but uh, no, no, no. And I'm glad you answered. You read my mind. You read my mind. Uh, no, no. I, I was, like I said, I was pleased. I was pleased because I always thought you were talented in music, uh, in all facets of music, not just lyrical, not just rhyming. I always thought that. Yeah, like, put in the music. I said that to one of my cousins. One of my cousins, he's very good in music also. And I said to him, I was just like, dude, why did you stop making music? I was a huge fan. And the same thing to the fans of you, Brandon. That's when you said you came to that realization. Not to say that, like, you weren't right to feel that way to, like, you know, quote, unquote, put a pause or, you know, uh, because that was your journey. That's what you needed to do. But I hope you realize now you had fans. You had fans. And, like, yeah. when you went on that hiatus, there were personal reasons. But a lot of them, and not to say, though, like, you like you lost sleep over it or anything like that. But, like, a lot of people like me were like, damn, when are we going to hear more Dell? Like, when are we going to hear more of this? So, like, we're glad that, like, you know, you, du- you took the dust off and you were just like, fuck it, whether I make it or not. I'm going to be fine. You know what I'm saying? Right, I just want to make right. great music and I'm happy for it. I, I, we're grateful for it. No, I appreciate that, bro. Seriously. No problem. The episode is called Triangle Defense. That is a homage to the music that you've made. Like I said, you have a lot of fans. You have a lot. So we call it tri- it was based on the triangle offense of Phil Jackson. 
that high end. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even do that. I can't even do that. So yeah, that's one of my favorite tracks. Uh, Raptors is one of my favorite tracks on the new album. Please, um, and we talked about the the Paul walkout. Please tell us more about that. In a, in an age where we have hashtags for every protest, to me, you were you and Landon were one of the first people to do like viral protests. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, we did the uh, the standoff for Hurricane Katrina. Oh, no, I said it wrong. Thousand standoff. No, no, that's all good. And uh, I think it was '06 and '07. We did it like for two years, but basically. And I still believe in this premise till today. And you remember this. When we were on campus, everything was so organized. It was like, are you in a Greek org? Are you in a black Greek org? Are you in under, you know, the black student union? Are you under this group or that group? And it sort of almost got to the point by like sophomore, junior year where it was like, if you don't do something organized with the group, it almost doesn't count or it doesn't whatever. And so to me, to Landon and I, it was like, and I was in groups. I was in yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah with different stuff, right? So I'm not knocking those, but I'm Met saying. Triple AS, you're in a lot. Yeah, but, but to me, it was like, I don't want people to think you have to be a part of those things to do something of substance. So Landon, who's a friend of mine, who we were, he's um, someone who's, you know, a super political activist kind of dude. And we yeah, were watching. He went off this, actually. He went off yeah. in, in his district. We were watching it. Yeah, in real life. Exactly. Like now yeah. in D.C. He's a politician. Um, yeah, he's a politician. We were watching, I think it was a David Blaine special or something like that. And this was happening in the same week that we're seeing, you know, the Katrina victims and everything happen there. And so. We were like, yo, we want to do something for them. And we were joking about the fact that David Blaine really doesn't do anything except, like, have stamina in things, right? It's like, I'm not going to do magic. I'm just going to hold myself up above 50 feet. Cheap-ass Houdini. Cheap, the the fucking throwback Houdini. Right. But it's really like, with him, it's like, I can stand on the edge of this building longer than anyone else, right? But that's not magic. That's just, like, endurance, right? So. And it's not a knock, but I was like, oh, okay. So we were like, what if we did something? Meanwhile, there? Evil Knievel can crash and still make money. Come on. Right, man. right. That's privilege right there. No, joke. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like, what if we were to stand on this corner of our campus for X amount of hours? At the, at the time, we did 24 hours. And we don't sit. We don't eat. Um, what was it? We don't sit. We don't lean. And we don't sleep for the whole time. So we did 24 hours. And obviously, we were a lot younger. So our knees were a lot better. Our legs, <laughs> right? Um but we did it, and we raised, I think that first time, like $2,400 that we had a girl at our school, uh, Teaspoon. Uh, she was from Louisiana, and we That's actually right. got a contact. I love her. Yeah, we got a contact with, like, three families from her church back home, and we literally sent the money to those three families. Uh, and then it, it went over really good. We made the school newspaper, whatever, and then we just did it again the, the following year. So just some sort of, like, one-off, you know, activism, as you would say. That Was your body more prepared the second time? Because you said that, like, you know, they're done. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say so. I would. I think both, you know, my legs were on fire. Yeah, when yeah, it was yeah over. of course, of course. Like, I don't I think, think I could do that natural now. position. <laughs> right, right. Um, but we made it through both, so, you know. A lot of support. People came out, you know, yeah. showed love and stuff like that. So again, I wasn't involved with much civics back then, but I it, I, I took notice from from getting high with my. Nah, you were always supportive, so I appreciate. Yeah. it. You know, but I never. I, thank you. I appreciate the credit, but like, it was more like I never. I, I did more to ignore stuff. To be honest, I did more to like, yeah, that's going on, but fuck, what what, what does that got to do with me? <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like that. But I didn't want to be like that anymore. I didn't want to be and, like that. Right. Anymore. And I don't fault people. I, t- I, I tell people these stories. I'll make it super quick. Sorry. But no, no, like, you're good. You're good. You were saying I was on the school's board. One of the thing, one of the most touching moments for me being on our school's board of alumni. You and Chuck. Was, yeah, Ch- and Charles was on it too, 
was we were in a board meeting and there was a woman there and she was talking about, she was trying to get votes. We were like doing, you know, bills or whatever the case. And she was trying to get one, one bill passed by the president who was there as well. She was trying to get enough like decorum or whatever to get a bill passed that said we would up the spending on handicap. That's the, that's the current president, right? That's the current president. No, this is before him. This, oh, okay, was, gotcha, this gotcha. is before her. This is the last guy. But she was trying to get the spend up for handicap accessibility to different buildings on campus. And mm-hmm. the long, the short of it is she was saying how she's an alum and she's so proud that she wants her daughter, I think, who was um, a handicapped person to be able to go to the school. And she said when she visited, the daughter said absolutely not because she couldn't get into or around like 90 percent of the fucking campus. Damn. I bring that up to say and she started crying and stuff. And I like shed a tear in that meeting because I realized up until that point, I never thought about that. I went to school there. I visited a dozen times in the, as an alum. I never thought twice about if a wheelchair can get into this building, if there's an elevator in this building, if there's a ramp to get into this building. So the reason why that's relevant to what you're saying is I, even though I was someone who was very active as it pertains to race, like early on when I was 18, 19, whatever, I'm never one of those people who tell someone now, like, fuck that. You didn't want to say nothing back then. So don't say something now because Race is like one ism. There's like a hundred other ones that I haven't been active in. And I yeah. didn't care about handicap accessibility. And now I do. So who am I to tell someone else, no, Vince, you ignored it for all those years. So don't be active now. Gotcha. When a, a person in a wheelchair could say that to me about this, <laughs> right? Like, so I know those gold wheels from anywhere. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So I, I just kind of keep that perspective on it. The only thing I hate, though, is when people ask me now, why, <clears throat> why am I not posting more or saying more about some, you know, certain things that happen. And I'm like, bro, don't for You can't force me to yeah. be vocal about whatever. Now I'm past the point of angry. Now I'm more solution oriented. So yes. yes, someone may get beat by the cops and I may in my house have a whole discussion about it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to post every person who's killed by the cops picture and write a whole soliloquy about it because I was doing that to your point back in college. So now I'm more of like, where can I donate? Where can yeah. I, you know, sign a petition. I'll do those things more in private than I would have maybe 15 years ago, you know, when I was absolutely whatever. So, and this is something you've earned, by the way, you're in a privileged position to be in platforms and to have ears that other, other people wouldn't have. Right, right, right. So to me, you being selective about those conversations where you bring it is courageous in its own self. My grandfather, we've talked about him before in NBC radio and stuff. He said to me, a long time ago, before he died, he said to me, "Rest in peace." Thank you. Um, he said to me, um, "Yeah, you can you can fight all you want, but I prefer to fight in the inside." And people call me Uncle Tom, not me, him. Um, people call him Uncle Tom, all these type of things, and rightfully so. He was in rooms, quote unquote, uh, people thought he shouldn't have been in, and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure he had to, you know, suckle a lot of people in order for that to happen. But I'm with him on that, and I had to tell that to my former camp kid who, like I said, has been all radical on Twitter and shit like that. He's like, Zuckerberg, stop censoring, stop shadow banning me. He's like one of those people. Like, stop shadow banning my, my content. You're censoring. On a private platform. I'm like, I'm like, this is a private platform, homie. Like, right. censor whatever they want. <laughs> But my point, what was my point? Um, <laughs> I think your point is that there's just different routes to it, yes, right? Like yes, to doing the work. Thank you. Thank and I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a super big proponent of that. Like it goes back to fucking when the boys and Booker T were debating a mm-hmm. hundred something years ago. It goes back to Malcolm and Martin. Like I always say with the Malcolm and Martin debate, I, I will not stand for any like MLK 
disrespect and people like to do it like on an annual plagiarism. They're like, I'm more, they're like, I'm more Malcolm. I'm more Malcolm than, I'm like, first of all, even if you count MLK as passive, which he wasn't, but even if you count him as that, the shit he had to do is nothing compared to the fucking radical shit you think you're doing. Like, you think you're posting a bunch of shit and that's so radical, whatever. Like, this man's like sitting at a fucking counter getting his head beat in, going to jail, ruining his record, then going tomorrow when he gets out and doing the shit again. Like, that, if that's not radical to you, I don't know what, the, you know. The, the coroner, the coroner, when he was um, in uh, the, uh, sorry, the autopsy, they said that his heart was the um, in the condition of a 70-year-old. And he was in his 30s. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll say all that to say there's, there's multiple routes. And when people go with the super radical talk, I'm like, look, if you had a bag of chips in your hand and one guy walks over and he says, you know, bro, can I have a couple chips? And in your mind, you're like, fuck no, I don't want to share my chips. But the next guy comes over with a gun and he's like, give me your whole fucking bag. All of a sudden, the guy who asked you for a few chips looks a lot more. So you, it's almost like you, yes, you, the, the approach of we're all radical. We're all holding a gun to get those bag of chips. It's fine. But just know that you need both to, to get anything right. It's not one way or, or simply the other. So. Okay, so I got a couple more things before we wrap yeah. up. This is actually our longest episode, which is not a problem, Sorry. by the way. I'm, and Fucking Joe Button episode over here. I love, I know, right? Marathon <laughs> Joe Rogan. So we got a couple more things before we leave, um, and I, I want to leave on a uh, – so couple of a couple of things that you're a part of. I wanted to talk about Dre Day. Um, I wanted to talk about, like, um, the foundation that you set up with that, and I also want to talk about Mixy Night. Tell me about how you set that up and how, like, your association with Mixy Night. How, oh, yeah, yeah. That is – so oh. Drew, Drew Day is is a, a day that I created. I said Dre. I'm so sorry. Wow. No, it's all good. I'm so sorry. I, it's all good. Um, so the my brother Pat, I I have I had a brother that passed away when he was 21 years old That's when funny. I was a senior in college. Um, and you know I lived with him my whole life, so super close. But he actually super like skinny kid playing ball, and he had a heart attack while playing basketball at 21. Um, and obviously it was sudden. It was out of nowhere. I was still in college. So I had to, you know, come home, deal with the burial and all that, and then go back to school and finish my, it had one month of college left. So it was like finishing that shit beyond rough to get my degree. So it was was crazy, but you know me, I'm never one to like complain about these things. You just kind of like, you just just do do them. But I say that to say what I realized over time was the way that he, you know, suddenly passed like this was at the time when I heard it, I was like heart attack. Like what the fuck out of here? But when you get older and you're like, yeah, we were eating fucking Jimbo's and Crown Fried like every night. Yeah, we were drinking fucking soda and eating McDonald's double cheeseburger. Like you get older and you realize it's less about his individual decision. It's more about like just the conditions. If you go to like a hood anywhere, like I'm from Harlem. I live in Newark now, right? Mm-hmm. If you open fucking Uber Eats in Newark or in Harlem, there's nothing healthy, nothing on the map. It's like all Popeyes and McDonald's and all this type That's of shit. That's because Red Man so, still lives there. Not sure. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's indicative of the options that people have. And we're not even talking about now when maybe Harlem's, Harlem is more gentrified. So I can't make, believe it's still a food desert. Especially juice, with – I can't believe because they, they have the uh, the transit there and the, the path and all that. I thought, like, that would gentrify that shit. So what, what, what you have – you talking about here or, or Harlem? Newark. Newark. Oh. Is it no? It's not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I was surprised that Newark is still because I live in a food desert still. I, I live in Jamaica, and, right. so and I'm shocked. You know. Yeah, and I and I saw I heard that line on the album. By the way, were you coming at people in Queens with the big apartments? 
You said the base. He's like, well, back then when we didn't have our mom's basement apart. I was like, oh, I damn. Look, <laughs> my wife's from Queens, so we go through this all the fucking time. It's not a knock at all. It's not a knock at all. But, um, yeah, to get back to the point, uh, I started Drew Day to, to, to sort of raise uh, some awareness around the first year when I did it around cardiovascular issues. And so yeah. it was literally just a party with a purpose. We raised that night over $4,000, and then I donated it to Harlem Hospital, yeah. specifically the unit that helped spread awareness about eating better in Harlem. So I just felt like that was what I could do to sort of keep his memory, um, you know. Yeah, and I'm sorry for bringing that up, by the way. I know that's a, a, a sensitive subject. That's your, your heart right there. Your nah, that's all good, man. Um, yeah. But I, w- I was just always impressed by, like, I've never set up a foundation, and I've never set up something with such a great purpose. And you did a I fantastic it, job bro. with the marketing of that and everything. Like, you got a lot of people to donate. And I, like I said, I just wanted to bring up something impressive. No, 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 I appreciate it. And, again, I, w- I just want to say, like, because – I want to be transparent because I feel like yeah. a lot of people aren't yeah, transparent. Sure, sure. Like I don't have an LLC or anything like that. Like it literally was me saying, I'm going to call a guy I know who throws parties. How can I rent out uh, a club, which we did, which was Contra Lounge, right? It obviously costs money, but meaning I, it wasn't like I said, I'm a nonprofit and can you give me a discount rate? Like I literally was like, rent that out, rent out food, get a DJ, throw a party. And then we raised $4,000, right? And I'm saying that not to make it sound easy, but to make it sound accessible. Cause I know when I try to do stuff and I look at other people doing shit, it always seems to me like they so much went into it more than it actually did. Right. So yeah. when people are sitting at home and they're like, yo, I just want to make a difference here. I just want to do something for, for Jamaica. I want to do something for whoever. Like the shit is not like, I got, I have a friend, you know, uh, Marquise Bynum. Now we went to college oh, together. Yeah. He's going to be a guest one day too. We're talking. Yeah. He's dope. He literally started a foundation where they, uh, the, uh, he Project gives a bunch of friends over. Yeah, Project Health. They make sandwiches and lunch packages at someone's house, and then they just go give it out to the homeless people the in San Antonio, San right? Yep. Like it's it's super accessible and it's super doable. And I know that was like extended answer, but I wanted no, to put that out exactly. there so people know, like, yo, you can just pick up and do these type of things. They don't have to be like big companies or anything, you know, yep. like that. So. And um, our former colleague from Revolt, uh, Phil, he set up uh, Mixy Night with Light, right? It was that Phil or was that Landon? That's no, so I, I, my friend actually that I grew up with, Mooch. Oh, it was Mooch. Oh, yeah, who great. I came up with. Yeah, in, in, uh, in college. Him, his wife, and the, uh, his brother-in-law, they started the Mixy Game Night, which is essentially them doing Airbnbs of townhouses, like fancy townhouses in downtown Manhattan. Uh-huh. They just have a big-ass game night That's and they dope. charge admission at the door. So they've been doing, obviously, with COVID, everything shut down. Oh, I wanted to go, and I, like, <laughs> They'll be back. They'll be back. So you definitely should, should both the y'all should pull up. It's a really yeah, good Yeah, I want to go. I want to go. Really um, yeah, we'll both go. We'll do a lot. We'll do, we'll put it on the where the fuck did I go. Yeah, no. So I was just on the board for the, at least the first year, just, you know, putting, helping put in some seed money to help out, yeah. um, to help his vision, which was their vision and is great come to fruition, but they're, they're incredible. It's dope right, shit. Two, two more things, two more yep. things. Uh, the verses that you do with Phil and Mooch, uh, explain that. What are your favorite celebrity verses? <laughs> like, like, you know, like DMX and uh, Snoop, like what are your favorites with that? And what are the favorite ones that you did yourself? So my favorite real life one that happened. Oh, my bad. Uh, explain it real quick. Explain it. Sorry. Oh, so verses of anyone doesn't know is a thing that Swiss Beats and Timberland started, which is basically them sitting down to uh, celebrity musicians to play their catalogs, 20 of their, what they feel are their best songs against each other. So one artist mm-hmm. goes, the other artist goes, and it's on Instagram live. And so people comment as they go. If you're more competitive, like I am, you'll keep a score sheet. Some people just That's do exactly it. what I watch. Cause you guys are competitive. Yeah. <laughs> Some people do it for like the, you know, the celebration or whatever. Yeah. So what Vince is referring to is 
over quarantine because we were bored and arguing our group text. My good friend Mooch and I literally... I can only imagine what that group text <laughs> looks like. <laughs> it started from a debate over uh, Drake versus Jadakiss. And obviously, I think we all... Most people consensus would say Drake's a great artist and a better artist. Jadakiss is a better lyricist. My premise was, no, I'd actually say I think Jadakiss is a better artist as well. Not in terms of like, can he make the most diverse kind of music? Oh, so but in terms of, came from. yeah. So my thing was, if you take the best 20 Jadakiss songs, meaning not just his own solo records, but the locks and anything he's been featured on, they're, they're better to me than the best 20 Drake songs. And so... We sat down and we did it. We played you it bring out. That all in, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was really fun. But in real life, my favorite one that the real celebrities did um, by far was the Jadakiss versus Fab. Okay, like that was my. That's a really good one. That's a really yeah, good one. too. That was a really. Good yeah, one. that one was that one was dope. And your favorite one, and what and what's your favorite one of you and Mooch and Phil? I would. We did. We did some great ones. Shout out to Phil Porter. Shout out to Mooch. My favorite one, probably not for during the time being played, and I think during the time, but. The feeling I had from kicking his ass so fucking good had to be Eminem versus Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> and why it was is because you got to understand, I met Mooch in 2002 when I was 16 years old. Uh-huh. Back when we were both like rapping and Eminem was one of my yeah, yeah, M was one of my biggest influences. He fucking hated Eminem. He thought Eminem was the most overrated. He thought all the he, he's still pretty polarizing. All the, yeah, all the typical things you could say. And I'm talking about back when M was like, nah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think M is 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 I think he's lost a lot of his ability, of course, yes, in my but, opinion. But, 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 like you, but like you said, rappers never lasted into like in their past. Their right, exactly. But in his prime, he's one of the greatest of to course, ever to do it. But Mooch always hated him. He'd be like, he's fucking <laughs> trash. He's mad overrated, blah, blah, blah. So this is a 20-year argument we've been having of him being trash. And so to kick his ass in front of all the people who were on Instagram. Oh, uh, that, that was sweet. When he didn't even feel M had enough records, he was like, you can't play the fucking lose yourselves. and Not lose yourself. Um, You know, the... Ah, 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 you like convinced him? Shit. I was no, I, no. I, did he I, lose or did you convince him? No, he lost bad. Like every yeah. time. No, I, I saw mean, that, but did he? Oh. Con- was he convinced afterwards? We, no, he admitted. he admitted. Oh, he admitted. He said, "I still think he's trash, but it is what it is. You won. It is what it is." So I, just, I love that. It was such a gratifying. Oh, that feels so good. That feels good. So we got one last question before we go. We got one last question. Okay. Um, this one is industry based. Um, we've been hearing in the news, and not to say that like you have inside information, just your personal opinion, just your personal mm-hmm. opinion. Do you think that Disney is going to just be its own platform, or do you think that Hulu will still be its standalone? Because we talked about Quibi, and to be honest, that's the failed industry version of that, and you're actually a product of a success from Disney. You're actually where the companies all came to. That's where it related to me. That's where right, right. all the big execs came together and made Quibi, and that's the same thing that happened with Hulu, but you're actually part of the successful of not launch. You're actually part of the successful sustainability of that. So as your personal opinion, not your insider information, okay. your personal uh, opinion, do you think that Disney's going to end up just having its own umbrella streaming? No, I think Hulu's going to stay its own, owned gotcha. and operated by Disney, obviously, but it'll be its own. And the main reason for that is because Disney Plus is never going to have mature content. So uh, if you think about the acquisitions that Disney's made, yes, they got the Marvel and the Star Wars and all that, and all that shit goes to Disney Plus. But they also, the biggest purchase that people don't talk about a lot is Fox, 20, 21st Century Fox. Meaning every movie that we've ever watched growing up that starts with the, da, 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 yeah. da, 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 they own, Disney owns all of those. Yeah. So that's like random Wesley Snipes movies, random fucking Saw movies, like all these movies. So if you think about it, there's nowhere else for those movies to go. But 
Hulu. And if I'm Disney, why would I build a new adult platform when I already own one that has a reputable name yeah. already? So that's why I don't think um, I don't think Disney. I, mean, I don't think Hulu's going anywhere. You answered that perfectly. You answered yeah. that perfectly, Brandon. I can't thank you enough. And yes, this was a marathon episode, but <laughs> I, as long as you enjoyed it, I enjoyed myself. I had a blast. I had man. no problem. I you appreciate were... both of y'all. And Harry, I you know I never met you, but you were incredible. You have oh, like this. You. You have like this dope like outsider personality that fits well with the pod. I don't know if you guys normally do two or three, but we uh, do. We we got him in the third season, man. He's been there all the seasons, yeah, but we've been trying to get his voice on here more. Yeah, man, I appreciate. I you. got the face uh, for radio. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Brandon, I don't know if you consider this, but you're a natural, bro. You should definitely get into some type of potting. Some, I, I guess, I, some marquee. You're like the hundredth person. I'm sure. I know I'm not the only one. I may, I may, and then when I and if and when I do, I definitely will reach out for some. Tips I would love to collaborate with anything with you. You know, I love oh. to collaborate with anything with you. You're always. Be on your that. first episode. Be your first guest. Boom! There we go. Don't put too much pressure, man. He's got. He's got to develop the show first. Don't make. Don't make me quibby. Don't make me right quibby. <laughs> quibby and die. So, uh, Brandon, before we go, Dell, sorry, we'll edit that. That's all Dell, um, what else should we be looking out for on you? Um, what are the tags you want people to look for you mm-hmm. on, like your username on social media, any projects to look out for? Uh, yeah, anything like that before we get into where to look for us. No, yeah, so you can uh, follow me on Instagram at uh, B underscore deliberate uh, on, on Instagram. I have, you know, my the, the music there and everything. But in, most importantly, Son of the Struggle, which is the album, is out. It's on all uh, music streaming and purchasing platforms. So Spotify, just type in Son of the Struggle, uh, you know, title, Apple Music, iTunes. We've been getting a lot of purchases, like full album purchase on iTunes, which is really, I didn't expect as many, so that's really dope. Uh, and then just more music. Like I said, the Floodgate, for me, I think creatively is open right now, and I don't want to just stop with one album. So um, I think there's more to come on that front, uh, and then you know we'll kind of see what what the rest of the future has to hold for me. So yeah, Brandon. Yeah, man. Yes. So yes, keep making music, keep ascending into the uh, the advertising TV world. I'm always going to be fascinated by that. You know, you always got thank you, brother. Here. Thank you. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate it. Yes, man. And you guys keep doing your thing. I fucking love the energy of this pod. I like the, I love the, uh, the diversity of topics on the pod too. I'm, everyone's not a lifestyle pod listener. I like lifestyle pods. So I'm, I'm into, uh, the ones that sort of are able to hop around and get Yeah. Them. Like I said, you were a perfect guest for this. As soon as I saw that you were promoting your album, I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, perfect timing. And yet, like man. I said, like, you're perfect for potting. We've always been a fan of <laughs> – we always talk about disc jockeys when we were younger. It's like yeah. Who the people that we really enjoyed, and it's just progressed, and I'm glad that we're in it now, too. As a content creator, it means a lot. Someone that's in content creation, fucking the golden era of it, that's very it's very humbling to hear from you. Yeah, man. This so, you can catch us up on Keep Up NY on Twitter. You can catch up on Twi- uh, Twitch, Keep Up NYC. I'm also on Twitch with Sylvan Sane. I'm also on Instagram with Sylvan Sane. Maybe Brandon will let me follow him. I thought you do. I'm public now, by the way, so feel free. I will. I would love to follow you. Check your phone right now. I got you. I got you. (laughs) Anyway, um, I was joking. I wasn't trying to call anybody out. I'm Quibi. I'm the new Quibi. The new Quibi? (laughs) (laughs) Don't Quibi and die on us. Right. So anyway, um, keep up on my C on Instagram, Patreon. Me and Harry keep having meetings about it. We're not doing anything about it. So, Harry, let's do it. Start, Start getting paid for this shit. Oh, by the way, yes, if you want to start getting paid for your podcast, your future podcast, uh, Brandon Patreon. Patreon. Is okay. I'll fuck with it. Uh, so anyway, uh, Facebook, we're Keep Up, Shut Up. 
So insane. Also for other platforms, you can catch uh, John on John and Walt Trace. He just came out with a Halloween theme YouTube with uh, Sammy and John. So you can check that out. They're at a, psychi- a psychiatric hospital. That's pretty cool. You can catch Harry on Pokemon Stoner on his IG. And now it's time. You better shut the fuck up, listen up, and keep up with Sylvan Sane, Dell, Pokemon Stoner, over and out, homie. Thanks, guys. Yeah.